I'd like to thank you for inviting me on the show. It's such an honour to be here and I'd just like to say that when I'm not playing Xbox with my mate Thor, I really like to listen to my favourite podcast, Pop Culture Pasta. Hey Dave, I'm thinking about doing another revolution. Do you want to join up? I might need some help with organising the pamphlets though. Pop Culture Pasta Um, yeah, so I refuse to deny that young, whiny, brash Luke Skywalker from the original trilogy couldn't have grown up to be old, whiny, bitter Luke that we saw in The Last Jedi. Um, I know that's a problem for a lot of Star Wars fans. That, that's legit because he whines nonstop in yeah. the original trilogy and he he whines and broods in the last jedi as well as he did back then and their argument is always that like oh he was awesome in return of the jedi like you may think you remember it that way but that is not how it went down he is not the hero of the return of the jedi he's gonna die he gives himself up he says i won't fight you dad please that's how he that's about how he ends return it's anakin anakin's the hero yeah he saves the day. Luke was going to just die. He's just going to give up. So why don't you think old giving up Luke in The Last Jedi isn't an honest representation of where he could have been? We have a biblical model. His name's Jonah. He whines, and he would just rather die. So, yeah. Anyways, welcome to Pop Culture Pastor. <laughs> Uh, I have no clue. <laughs> I mean, is Return of the Jedi, is that the one with the big white things that are stomping through there? What's no, that? that's Empire Strikes Back. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I don't know. I have nev- We've never had a guest lose all geek cred, cred quicker than DJ <laughs> oh, just yeah. lost his cred. Yeah. I, what kind of cred am I losing? Geek cred. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen longer than 15 minutes of one of those movies, yeah. of any of them. There I you know. go. Um, but I had a youth group one time. We had a, I had a room that was nothing but a dry erase board as the wall, and they explained the whole thing to me on the wall all the way around the room. <laughs> they were drawing, and they were, it was like a long timeline. <laughs> yeah, that was, we were up all night. Uh, this is Pop Culture Pastor, a podcast about, well, pop culture. And uh, Dave and Cody, we're your hosts, as usual. And we have a special guest. I, do, do I call you? Well, how do you like to be called in like a public setting? Are you Minister DJ Dangerfield? Yeah, probably so. Or public be, speaker yeah, DJ yeah. Dangerfield? Minister DJ Dangerfield. That's fine. Minister. You know, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I never thought about it. DJ. DJ Dangerfield's yes. here. He's a pastor. Am I the first speaker. guest? Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, we've had him on. I just, we've, you're the most distinguished guest, probably. Like you have a lot of, a lot of things you do, I think. Yeah. Well, so, whatever. Name it and claim it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Just under three minutes on the name it and claim it. Wow. We made it almost three minutes into the episode uh, before Cody uttered his his stolen catchphrase. (laughs) (laughs) Um, DJ is here specifically because uh, the main subject for today's uh, podcast is documentaries. And I don't know anybody who's watched more documentaries than DJ. It's sad, but true. DJ loves documentaries. (laughs) I I like them too. I just don't. I don't know why when it comes down to it, I don't choose to watch them enough, which I should. So I copied and pasted all my document. So I, I, I track every documentary I watch. I kind of have little notes about them. You have a flow chart? Yeah. Well, no, but I have a little list and when I watched it and what I was thinking about what I watched and da, da, da. And I copied and pasted it over to my iPad. And it's, yeah, it's well over 200 and something 
Wow. I wish that I would Since have we started doing that. all the subscription stuff, yeah. Because, like, coming up with my list tonight, or, yeah, that literally I'm like, oh, yeah, I watched this. Oh, what was this <laughs> one about? Oh. You go down I do the memory same, lane? I do the yeah. same thing with movies. When I go to the movie theater, I take a picture of the ticket, and I put it in a uh, photo album file that says movies and mm-hmm. 2022 movies. And I kind of... It'll ring the bell to me, and I kind of remember who I was with and all that kind I of mean, stuff. I mean, like, look, you are a geek. That's very yeah, geeky. It's like yeah. geek scrapbook, scrapbooking. Yeah. Um, had to store it in my mind palace better for Your future, mind palace? Future generations to know what I watched. That so. sounded communist. Yeah. <laughs> I don't um, know about that. You should have said it with a Russian accent then. That would have <laughs> been awesome. Sherlock Holmes, Benedict Cumberbatch's, has the... The mind palace. Yeah, that's true. Oh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. So, absolutely, that's good stuff. Well, we'll get back to the uh, documentary discussion in a little while. Uh, we start off every episode, DJ, with just a little roundup, little some quick hitters of yeah. some pop culture news, things okay. making news out in the pop culture world. Um, Burt Reynolds, nineteen seventy seven Pontiac Firebird Trans Am. The car made popular by the actor's iconic film Smokey and the Bandits. Good stuff. Recently went up for auction at Barrett Jackson, and it sold for close to five hundred thousand dollars. I can believe it. That's good stuff. Yeah, that's crazy for us though, DJ, who've been yeah. alive long enough to remember when those cars were out roaming yeah. the streets. Well, nineteen seventy-seven <laughs> was the year I was born, so that's an interesting date there. So yeah, that's forty-four years ago. My friend had one in like nineteen ninety, and it wasn't worth near that much. <laughs> <laughs> but it looked just like Smokey's Smokey's car. Such a yeah, such an iconic time in TV. Mm-hmm. Everything was changing. Television was becoming more prevalent. They had the we're getting close to term blockbuster. Star Wars is about to come on the scene. Yeah, it's starting to become okay to really go in on the TV. Mm-hmm. So Burt Reynolds came in at just the right time. Iconic, iconic pop thing going on. What was the other movies that he was in? Cannonball Run. Yeah, yeah. Cannonball Run with the the Dom DeLuise or whatever his name was. That good <laughs> stuff. If they if if the Hollywood reporter reported tomorrow that they were remaking the Cannonball Run movies, I'd be the happiest dude on earth. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so funny because I me and my wife went back and watched one this summer. Um, off of Amazon Prime, I actually bought it instead of written it because I thought I'm going to watch this again. I did not realize how inappropriate it was. <laughs> I didn't Late remember 80s. that. It, it threw me off. I'm like, oh my gosh. Just oh, even, yeah. it was back yeah. in those days, racial jokes were okay. So you got Sammy Davis Jr. They're making so many, in a, it would not be on right now. Well, and, and then yeah. every like, even like your, so they didn't have PG-13 back then. Yeah. So our movies weren't like the R movies we have today. So like you would have a lot of movies that were basically mostly what we would consider PG-13 movies mm. with just a random topless girl here and there. <laughs> yeah. That was how like the 80s I went. was so thrown off by <laughs> that. I was like, oh, a lot of times you think if you go back, you're safe. Yeah, the no, no. it is. You're no, not. No, not in the 80s for sure. No, you're, I was like, whoa, just the inappropriate comments alone no they made they made comments about middle eastern people in that movie there's a fake middle eastern prince in there and there's just so oh. many uh, uh oh, homophobic jackie chan's in that movie yeah there's a lot of appropriation yes. left and right yes yeah. it's like a ton of stuff in there that i don't think on either side we would be able to survive it's woo. Yeah. yeah i forgot but i loved it i mean cannonball run was 
as a kid, for some reason in my mind, I loved it. I remember loving it. It was worth it for the credits bloopers. Oh, oh yes, at the end. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, that's how you laughed. Yeah, that's how you laughed. Yes, yes yeah, that's true. Very good. Man, 1977. Right on. That um, tickled my throat. There you go. I'm like, that car better have come with an autographed picture by Burt Reynolds okay, with his mustache it is in with, the photo. This isn't, uh, it's not the actual car that was used in the film. It was what? The, it, it was the car that Burt Reynolds was personally gifted as a thank you for his work on the movie. Okay, so, so he owned it. He yeah, owned, he owned it. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm good with that. I want the title. At least give me the title. Do you know yeah. Smoking the Bandit was nominated for an Academy Award for I, Best Film Editing? I, I, oh, well, that's not what I thought. And be Sally Field, who looks so cute in that movie. Yes. Which is weird to say now because she's or, like or adorable. something. Adorable, yeah. yeah. Uh, she won. Uh, she had a Golden Globe nomination for Best Actress for that. Yeah, I can um, believe it. We don't have Best Song in a, a movie on that one. Eastbound Down. Eastbound Down. That might not have been a category yet. Up. I don't know. That's good stuff right there. Yeah. Is that Jerry Reed? Y- y- yes. We got a long mm-hmm. way to go. It is. And it's short time to get there. Yeah, I still listen. Oh to man, that. the '80s are gonna come back yeah, in here today. Man, that's good stuff. I still. <laughs> I love Outlaw Country. That's good stuff. Oh wow. Yeah, that was. Good, uh, good memory laner there to start off with here. Waylon's good for the soul, man. Little Waylon does good for your soul. Yeah, this is like, um, that's just such an interesting thing. Dave looked at me like you're not allowed to say that, DJ. Well, no, <laughs> I was just thinking like everybody listening to this podcast would be like, I was pretty sure this guy was black. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> so he sounds so, black, but he just said he likes Waylon Jennings. Well, um, my stepdad was and white. And you're interesting like that. You my like. My stepdad was white. Country. And he was the first. My real dad, who's who I have a great relationship before he passed away, I had a great. As I got older, me and my dad's biological father's relationship began to really bloom. But when I was a kid, my dad was more absent than probably he should be. My stepdad was a white man from Henrietta, Oklahoma. He went to school with Troy Aikman. And and so he listened to Hank Williams and Conway Twitty and Randy Travis and Waylon and and Very so nice. um, and I spent a lot of time with him. He was a roofer. I roofed homes. And so um, yeah, I love if you come to my house on a Saturday morning. That's probably Saturday mornings. My wife know are dedicated to outlaw country. So Willie Nelson, nice. A little bit of George Strait, but I'm really, I really love Outlaw Country. And some of those new guys like Chris Stapleton, some of them guys are really good too. So I love Outlaw Country. Just I, goes to show. Yeah. You can't tell, you can't judge a book and, by and its I, cover. And I'm just, they're geek, if, if, pop if, culture. If I can this, go, you know. if you let me go deeper, without African Americans, there is no Outlaw Country. So yeah. oh. there's so much, all of American music is rooted in black African oh, yeah. music. Yeah. And so not, not classical like Bach. And that's what, Europeans were singing was classical, like, you know, Bach and, you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And what's my man's name? Beethoven. But when you start talking about music like jazz or rock or the blues or country, it's country is nothing but the blues. Sang with through your nose. Mm-hmm. That's all. Yeah. It's written about real. And that, it comes from that. I took Matt Oliphant um, in March to Nashville. And we went to the National Museum of Black Music. And when he went in there to the bluegrass and he found out that the, the banjo came from black people, it, it, he, he spent more time in there than, and than I did in the whole thing. And he just came out there. He was shook. He could not believe. <laughs> Matt, for those listening, is, is our producer of our podcast. Yes, He's yes. our editor. Yeah. yeah. 
So, yeah, I, I love all music. And you can hear African-American influence in all. Willie Nelson's favorite artist is Ray Charles. Willie Nelson. So Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. so you can hear it um, when you listen. And their vocalization and their ad-libbing, man, it's good stuff. I, I love it. I was just uh, telling my, my, my oldest daughter found my old CD case today. Mm. She was like, can I paint these? And I was like, I don't care. They're, they're worthless. <laughs> and, and, and she was like thumbing through it. And I was like, oh, that there was the first yeah. CD I ever bought. That's yeah. The Predator by yeah. Ice Cube. Yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> Gosh, that was such a big deal. Wasn't that album such a big deal? Oh, man, it's a great album. It's such a big deal. So, yeah, I love music, though. I just love it. Yeah. Um, speaking of music, if we can foray into Christian music. Mm. We don't do that often here on the pod. Yeah. Uh, but um, a guy, I, I, I saw this headline and I thought, well, DJ knows this guy, so maybe we'll talk about this. Um, a couple weeks ago, Lecrae, mm. Christian rapper Lecrae, although I'm, I'm not sure he likes to be called Christian rapper. Is that a thing? Yeah, he's done with that. Done, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Rapper Lecrae yeah. tweeted, uh, once upon a time I thought I was done with Christianity, but the reality was I was just done with the institutional, corporatized, gentrified, politicized, culturally exclusive version of it. Um, and apparently he lost some shows. A couple. Yeah. And he tweeted about that. I don't think anybody would have known, but he tweeted. I'm so victimized. <laughs> he I'm tweeted. So, it's so hard. That he me. lost a show or some shows because of his tweet. Tweet, And then he tweeted point proven. Why can't, why does he have to say I lost shows? What's yeah. the point? I, where, I just, I don't. And I. I relate to that in my early days of ministry, like, you know, oh, oh, DJ, I'm so sorry. There are still people out there like that, that da, da, da. it's almost like you're eliciting some type of sympathy, compassion response, because, um, and we're talking about Christianity now, so we're talking about kingdom citizenship. If you're really abiding in Christ, you truly are saying you're in Christ. Because mm -hmm. doesn't the writer say, act justly, love mercy. Mm -hmm. So where's the mercy to the people that are canceling their shows because their heart is jacked up and they don't know what they're doing. They just don't. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Yeah. And I just don't feel like that's the heart of what he's posting. And he thinks he's doing justice, but you're supposed to do justice and love mercy at the same time. And that's a paradox. Very difficult, very humble, very much Holy Spirit-led and Christ-centered. And if you want to sit here and try to tell me that Lecrae, let me see, how do I say this without, who, I don't know who's going to listen to this, uh, <laughs> it, um, is sitting there and that's a Holy Spirit-driven post. We have I'm tens be and tens of listeners, um, DJ. I'm going to be pretty uh, judgmental. Here's, okay, but here's the thing. It's only a paradox if you're you're using justice in the form of our cultural justice absolutely not biblical but, justice but there's biblical justice but paradox has nothing to do with our even justice. even if it is a paradox that's not bad the kingdom is nothing but a paradox no no i know i, I understand so, that. i guess so there's nothing I, wrong with it being a paradox even if you're looking at it with godly justice because you do have a humanity and you do get tired and you do do not nobody wants to be a walking man and so you do get tired of it. You do get tired of that. I get cultural fatigue where I get tired of explaining myself. 
I get tired of being the black consultant when people take me out to lunch and want to pick my brain about how to handle the three <laughs> black people that live in Chanute because they feel some kind of guilt. But instead of wrestling with their guilt, they take me out to eat and they want to hear me tell them that they're okay. Yeah. You know, I live in Thayer, yeah. Kansas. Take me out to eat and tell me I'm okay. You're weird. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, and you won't believe how much that happens to me. So, you can become frustrated. You can become, you know, this, you know, how much longer I got to do this? But at the same time, it's like, if you love mercy, justice looks totally different. Yeah. Well, it looks like reconciliation. Absolutely. Not revenge. Yeah. And I just yeah. don't think and that a lot of these people, that's their goals. That's just me on the outside looking in. I'll well, just say that. Like, I, I kind of wish that Lecrae would have looked at his friend Derek Miner's post because he had a post recently that was said something about uh, broken people hurt broken people. Yeah, and yeah. I mean that would put it in perspective. Well, don't we all relate to if somebody does something wrong? I'm gonna take my ball and go home. Yeah. Lecrae and this home, all these movements, every single one of them suffer from pretending like they don't understand why they're enemies. Racism is very pathological and very programmable. Mm -hmm. Either they've been programmed or it's pathology. It's it's. I'm not saying it's okay, but it's very normal. And to pretend like there are all these wonderful people that are walking around this planet that I just don't understand how somebody could possibly be racist. Come on now. Yeah. Yeah. Well. So yeah. let's let's not pretend when you're when you're trying to work through these things. I'm going to hold a mirror in front of my face while I hold you accountable about how you're treating others. I'm going to put a mirror up and. Uh, I'm going to make sure that I'm having that conversation understand that uh, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And I just think when we're talking about these things, especially if we're talking about it from a kingdom sentence vantage point. Now, you talk about public policy, you don't have to do that. You know, I understand yeah. politics is a competition. I'm not expecting that from politicians and that such. But we're talking about Christians. And Lecrae, who had the, I said had, and I'll tell him to his face, who had the opportunity to be an anointed prophet of God, abscounded that for the civil rights movement. Mm. And the, ch the black church has lost so many leaders to the civil rights movement. That's mm. just my humble opinion. And I don't care if that goes for, I will say that on Fox, CNN. I don't feel like God is calling black leadership to a civil rights movement. Wow. I don't believe that. I just don't believe that. You know, and, and here, here's the thing. You you were talking about a mirror and like, listen, yeah, Cody and I, we're the opinion nobody wants to hear in right now anyways because we're white males. But sometimes yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get to talk more. If, if, <laughs> if I could say something that's I that I'm trying to come from a balanced place, because first and foremost, when I see Lecrae or anybody talking about these movements, these things. I first and foremost want to say, look, I'm hearing your pain. I get it. But but we, he's also not expressing pain. He's expressing he's saying okay. he's more mature. All right, but let me let me let me finish here. Okay. Here and and cuz I'm getting to that. When you say evangelicals and you throw them all under the bus and I'm like mm. over here going, "Brother." Yeah. We're not all like, mm -hmm. you know, the the old crusty white guy in the Southern Baptist executive chair saying that you can't be a part <laughs> of the, the presbytery or, you know, yeah, or that yeah. women can't pass her. We're not all that guy. Yeah. Like, but you're trying to make it like that. You're using the same mental processes Absolutely. that racism comes from. Absolutely. 
And, no, and, no, and no. 100%. That's not going to fix anything. Blessed are the peacemakers, and peacemakers get hit by both sides. Mm-hmm. If you're a true peacemaker and you're an evangelical, you're going to have brothers and sisters who are going to question your morality yeah. and whether or not you really love the gospel. And you're also going to have atheist friends who think you're probably a little too brainwashed. And you're going to catch arrows from both sides. And if you're not catching, if the only arrows you are catching them is from other, you stop being a peacemaker. You stop being concerned about reconciliation. And mm-hmm. if he's more mature, he can handle the arrows. If he's saying, I have more knowledge about what women need, what blacks need, what all these people groups need. And now do I have more knowledge, I understand who's the oppressor and who's the oppressed. Then you have some sense of maturity and some sense of knowledge and based on what he's saying, if you guys had better knowledge and understood better, you'd understand this better. So that's maturity. And he's saying he's more mature, but then 10 minutes later, he's posting a tweet that says, I'm not as mature. I can't handle this. And I just don't. Blessed are those who are persecuted. I mean, that's what comes with yeah. what we signed up for. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about kingdom citizens. If you're a politician and uh, some of those other people, AOC, I don't have a standard for them. But when you say you're a Christian leader... And when you say, I used to be non-Christian, but now I'm back in the house of God and all of that, then you're held to that standard, bro, whether you, like, just because, so when Jesus separates the goats and the sheep, he just talks about all these rumors of wars. And all. He didn't get to, you don't get to go, well, I was a goat because life was so hard and people, are, no, he's expecting you to still be a sheep. Mm-hmm. So I just, mm, I just think. You know, this, remember that song by Paula Cole, Where Have All the Cowboys Gone? Yeah. yeah. It's like, where have all the leaders gone? It's like, where are they? They're, uh, they're CEOs of Fortune 500 <laughs> companies. <laughs> it's like. They're the ones who really run the country. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. you're probably right. It's just like, They all work for Big Pharma. <laughs> let's not go there. Um, <laughs> let's get back to pop culture before I get myself in trouble. Yeah, um, you lose all that sponsorship. <laughs> today's broadcast is sponsored yes. by Pfizer. Today's broadcast is sponsored by nobody. Uh, do you guys like the, the TV show Justified? Yes, I didn't get. To fi- I never finished it. Oh, I have the oh. last season, uh, I, I, like I, on DVD or Blu-ray. If you, I have. It. I. I something happened. I stopped watching it. The guy who played that it was also on Sons of Anarchy. He's on both shows. Um, oh, he's mm-hmm. a phenomenal. Is it what's his last? The name? bad guy? Um, no, the, the actually he's a good guy. I guess and just the main character. What's his name? Oh, Raylan Givens. No, the bad guy. The bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my bad. Walton Goggins. Walton Goggins. He's something else. He is. He's he's something else. Phenomenal. I forgot he was in Sons. Yeah, and I'm not even going to talk about that. Yeah, because you can't talk about that on this. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't well, even I mean, investigate. Well, don't investigate it. Don't even look it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's bad. I've been dying <laughs> to talk about Bridgerton. No, I'm just kidding. I've, I've never watched it. <laughs> I haven't. Watched Murray that watched either. it. My boy Murray. I can put his business out there. <laughs> Murray would talk to me about it. But I never watched that. Um, no, like in Justified, when he has uh, uh, his. Uh, biblical commandos, like he starts his own like. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) straight beast. Gosh, Uh, Timothy Oliphant plays U.S. Marshal Raylan Givens. He's coming back for a limited series, Justified City Primeval. I'm ready for it. it. Okay, Uh, coming on FX. 
The new limited series uh, is adapted from an Elmore Leonard novel who wrote the original book that it was justified on or that oh, it was based on. Yeah. Uh, it was called City Primeval High Noon in Detroit. It's set eight years after Gibbons leaves the Kentucky holler for a relatively, chi- relatively chill life in Miami where he's raising a teenager, but a chance encounter sends him to Detroit where he crossed paths with a slippery sociopath. Just the kind that justified fans are used to seeing him outsmart and ultimately deliver to justice. Sign me up. Yeah, I'm in. I love Justified. Uh, and and I'm Timothy Oliphant, any show where he wears a hat, I'm pretty much <laughs> in on that. I'm pretty much in on that. Oh. He was uh, in The Mandalorian. He was in The Mandalorian. He was in Deadwood. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, Deadwood. Another great role for him. To be honest, he might have been the best part of Scream 2. Ah, I can hear that. I can, ah, that's, I can, that's way back. I can see yeah. that. I can see that. So, yeah, I'm fan. He I'm was in, also in, in The Crazies. <laughs> oh, yeah, he was. <laughs> and he's been in. He was, he, uh, so, yeah, I'm, I, you know, typically speaking, if he's in it, I'm going to watch it. He's a very, he's good at what he does. He's definitely good at what he does. He knows how to play complicated people. He does. Um, DJ, I know you don't have any kids in the house anymore. Praise so you, the Lord. You probably have not uh, watched Encanto. Nope. I saw Rango. Oh, and he for narr- the first time, like in for like a couple months ago. Yeah, Timothy Oliphant narrated Rango. Oh, I didn't realize that yeah. was him. How old is Rango? It's old. Yeah, <laughs> like, I just saw Rango for the first time. That like, might have come that was out so random. Ten years well, I, ago, I had, I had uh, Nick Marco's kids at my house. I was babysitting for the weekend. Uh-huh. Had them for a whole weekend, and I watched Rango. All right. Like Johnny Depp's been canceled for a while. <laughs> He's canceled? Uh, uh, yeah, kind of. What did he do? Well, his <laughs> wife his wife said he was abusive. He said she was abusive. It's a big thing. Okay, my yeah. bad. I missed that whole saga. Um, yeah. He lost out right. on his Fantastic He's, Beast role. You stole my book. Didn't That's she like sling poo at him or something? That, you, that was reported in the courtroom. You stole my story. Did you ever watch Secret Window with John? Yes. Ed? You stole my story. So that was Amber Heard. I mean, who's uh, very attractive. Apparently, she slung her poo at Johnny Depp. And then she, 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 everybody should have at least one Bobby Knight moment. I mean, that's that's more. That's not Bobby Knight. That's crazy. Like, I knew. I, used, I mean, like there was okay. a football player I remember hearing like would poo in bags and leave them on dressers and stuff yeah. as pranks. Yeah, like at KU. That's disgusting, bro. I don't yeah. care if you're slinging it, you put it in the bag, or if you're wiping your behind and showing me it in the Kleenex. Well. There's different levels and degrees of disgusting, but it's all disgusting. June and Hen- that's what Bobby Knight did. June Henley. <laughs> June Henley was about that game. He was like, "This is how you guys are playing," and he came out and showed them all the toilet paper. But yeah, uh, you're disgusting. So there was there was poo throwing. That's about the time I stopped paying attention. I'm like, I don't want to know any more about that. That's less, crazy. Less, so Johnny yeah. Depp is canceled. Anyways, uh, everybody Canto, I like gets canceled. <laughs> in Can- in Cantos, we don't talk about Bruno is tied with Aladdin's "A Whole New World" as the all time highest charting song from a Disney animated movie. Who's si- who's singing what? Um, in Cantos, who's singing it? Uh, it's, it's it's like, like everybody. Everybody's singing. Yeah. We don't talk about Bruno. Uh huh. No, oh. no. Number who's, one. Number one on the Billboard charts. Who's what? Okay, so. All these different singers are singing, or everybody in the show is singing it. Everybody on, on the, the show. show. Oh, okay. Yeah, and this You'd is have the to number see one the movie. This is the number one song right now. Uh huh. It yeah, is. I didn't have a clue. 
I, I, a whole new world. I, I didn't know it was number one back in the day. Peebo Bryson. Is that Peebo Bryson? Uh, no. Performed by Brad Kane and Leah oh. Salong. Well, you're thinking of like the, the radio version. Oh. So not the cartoon version. Because isn't there like a, yeah. No, maybe I'm thinking of. But it might have um, been. What's that show with the mice? Uh, that might have been Peebo Bryson. What about the one with the mice and, and Fievel? Oh yeah, and, oh. And, and what was it? And they were singing uh, an American Tale. Yeah, American Tale. There's a song from that that was really popular. I think people Bryson sing that. <clears throat> Somewhere, yes, out yes, we love. <laughs> yes, yeah. man, you killed that, bro. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Nailed it, little, dude. That man. that always made me cry. That part, man, even as a kid. Um, yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. That's one of my favorite uh, recreated scenes in Community. <laughs> <laughs> they, we are all over the place <laughs> i love when i come on your show for this reason anything that i do with you dave and, and cody you guys just kind of I, it just there's no rails we're gonna yes. end the news segment now because this is like the longer news just kind of he had eight more things but we didn't oh yeah them. i'm skipping a <laughs> oh, bunch yeah. of things because this is just what will continue to happen it's too yes it's i'm too, sorry all encompassing. You knew that when you brought me on here, though. We need to we need to narrow it down. Yeah. Okay. So um, we've got a Get new segment focus. coming up right now. We're gonna take a break, and when we come back, we're going to the lobby. We got. I thought we didn't have sponsors, so we're taking breaks right on. This is yeah, awesome. Yeah. We're gonna take a break, <laughs> and then we're going. Let's go out to the lobby where you asked questions. We're gonna go out to the lobby and answer your questions right now. We're gonna take a break. Going out to the lobby. Here we go. segment here on pop culture pastor are you not excited cody i am super excited i'm just I trying to contain it i just don't know what to do with my hands i have no clue <laughs> what's going on I don't know. Ah, uh, it's dave and cody and djs here of course and we're uh getting ready to answer your questions uh josie from springfield missouri oh mm -hmm. um she wants to know if we ship tom holland and zendaya Mm. Shipping, see, Cody, shipping is what the youth say. <laughs> like, are you for their you, coupling? You, yes. I guess. Um, they're, 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 what would you call it? Their boyfriend, girlfriendness. Are you shipping them? I sign off on it, but what's their celebrity name? There used to be Brangelina. Oh, that's tough. Their names don't go together. Their well. names don't. No. And that's my issue. Tom, like, Tom Dyer. <laughs> <laughs> they are adorable. Um, but sure, I don't know. Zenom. I don't know that I've ever shipped anybody, to be honest. Yeah. It's a weird thing. I, I, I'm aware that this is a thing, but I don't know that I've ever done that because I don't really. I, I, I guess what I don't understand is, is, is young people is why we are emotionally, we have a stake in it. But we've had a stake in it. 
I know people have. I didn't understand it when like Brad Pitt broke up with uh, Jennifer Aniston either, and people got upset. Or my, my first one was Brooke Shields and Michael Jackson. I don't know why that was a big deal to me. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> I did not know about yes, that. Yes, that was. <laughs> I'm going to go and, in the and, back and think about some things. <laughs> I got to think about that one yeah, for a while. Yeah, and so I remember when Brooke Shields and Michael Jackson were going to all the award shows together, and they they were dating. And I remember having some type of emotional investment in that relationship. Well, but I was get, like seven. Let's get to the bottom <laughs> of this. What, like, you were wanting it to work out? Yeah, I remember as a kid seeing them together, and then it got weird because Michael Jackson started going to the movie, go started going to these music awards with Webster. And then it kind of got weird. <laughs> <laughs> he went oh no, <laughs> to Webster. But there was, yeah, he was Michael Jackson and Brooke Shields were a thing. And, and a lot of people try to say that that was his beard, but, um, yeah. Do yeah. They, so who do the kids ship now? They ship Tom Hollins and the machine gun Kelly and, and Megan, Fox. Megan Fox. They're just weird. I don't know if I would ship that. It feels weird to say shipping things. I feel like I'm mailing something. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not even going to attempt to say, cause I don't want to be nobody accusing me of it. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be careful. Yeah. Gotta enunciate. Um, yeah. so yeah, my seal of approval. Is on that relationship. Okay, there you go, Josie. Yeah. Uh, Jason Giesemann. I'm familiar with him. Who, uh, uh, oh, oh there's yeah, a picture that was of Brooke a real Shields thing. and Michael Jackson. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> DJ was doing some work on his yeah. pad over there. Uh, Jason Giesemann, who's been a guest host on this show, said, Who is your favorite guest host and why is it me? <laughs> <laughs> thanks thanks, for, uh, thanks uh, for taking part in our questioning, Jason. Um, J Train, we love you. Yeah, I don't, even, I don't even know who he is, but I gave him a nickname. Uh, he gave, I just gave him a nickname and told him I loved him. So uh, he gave me a T-shirt. And he did. If you give me a T-shirt, I don't care what it has on it. I'm I'm a huge fan. Yeah, he I mean, gave me I'm a T-shirt make a task as well. Note right now: order Cody a Confederate flag. <laughs> oh my goodness! I'm making a note right now. I thought you were going to get me a First Baptist Church T-shirt. I'd wear it to church on Sunday. Uh, this this paid for by First Baptist Church. No, um, no, it's no, they didn't give us any money. Um, Kyle Kessinger from Lawrence. He wants to know uh, if DC Comics had a successful DCEU, like a, a successful movie franchise like Marvel. Okay. What mm. big story would you have it follow? And this has got to be a question for Cody because I don't know. This I don't know is that I'm a, a great enough. question. A DJ Baby 2. Yeah. This is a, okay, say it again. Say it uh, one I'll more say time. Say it again. Let me, let me if DC time. Comics had a successful DCEU, a successful movie franchise. Yes, yes. What big story? So, like the MCU's big story of the first twenty movies was the Infinity yes. War stuff. Yes. What big story would you have it follow? So I feel that the story that's about to drop, if they would have prolonged it, it would have been so much better. But Flashpoint, build up to Flashpoint. Okay. Where you have the like all the heroes gathered around and the flash messes everything up but yeah, you have I'm to down. develop all those heroes first and then flash goes back to save his mom and then all chaos and you got the parallel dimensions and multiverse stuff happening and so you could do that there they rushed it 
because. But in that scenario, Flash would be your flagship guy. He'd be your Iron Man, um, right? Yeah. You'd have to base it around him in a way. Which I think that DC has a Batman Superman problem. That's why I think they should do the Kingdom Come for Batman. Okay. I do love the Kingdom Come story as well. <laughs> I, I, I think that storyline is, I mean, I'm almost going to call DCF and say, charge DC with neglect. <laughs> That's how I feel. They are neglecting. I was wondering where that was going. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I want to call somebody and say, we, we, need to, we need to hotline them for this because Kingdom Come is awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's a great, it's a great um, comic and book story. When you know. they announced that Ben Affleck was going to be Batman, he would have been a perfect Kingdom Come Batman. Yeah. Who would play Lex Luthor though? Mm. It, well, because that's the whole key to the whole thing. Lex Luthor is this Vince McMahon type. Well, okay, that you have to make he has to be so hateable. You could, I mean, you'd have to change his character a little bit from the Kingdom Come version. But I recently rewatched Superman Returns, mm. and that is better than you remember it, especially compared to Man of Steel, I think. Mm. Superman Returns, other than Brandon Routh, is not quite capable. He's not quite, he's not Christopher Reeve, no, basically, and he's trying to be Christopher Reeve. But Kevin Spacey was awfully good in that movie as Lex Luthor. I was going to say Kevin Spacey, but Kevin like Spacey. he's but he's got issues. He's gone. Yeah, you can't um, you can't cast him now. I thought. What about the guy from Gladiator, Russell Crow? Russell Crowe? No, the no. other the actual evil. Guy. Oh, Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. Well, he's like the he's weird Joker. alternate Joker now, though, right? He's Joker. Oh, that's true. Um, oh, I forgot about that. What about Brian Cranston? Ooh, Breaking right. Bad. Yeah, guy. I better pull that off. Yeah. Yeah. He has some range. Yeah, he does have some range. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could see it. No, we, not the dude from the social network. Not not the dude that was Lex Luthor Jesse in, in Batman no. versus Superman. No. No. What no. a terrible casting choice that was. Although I like Jesse and like almost everything else he's ever been in. Michael Rosenbaum from Smallville would have been a better Lex Luthor <laughs> than that. Ouch. Um Whoa. Smallville slander? Yeah. What do you mean, ouch? <laughs> Otherwise, I think another good storyline that you could build around, and it would involve another older Batman, would be um, Nightfall, where he has to run the gauntlet because Bane releases all the villains out of Arkham, and they don't know who Bane is or what. But is that just about. a Batman story? It is, but Batman gets broken, and then you have everyone else launch from there. Oh, okay, I see. And it takes forever for Batman to come back. Like I think you could adapt it. I'm not saying you take it like verbatim. But you adapt. The it. other one I remember reading, and you can refresh me. I haven't read it since I was like twelve. But Crisis on Infinite Earth. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. That might be a story. Um, and so I thought Crisis. I thought Flashpoint had a tie to Crisis. Yes, is that true? that's why I thought. Okay. So I thought you couldn't do Flashpoint without telling the Crisis. Okay, story. My, or yeah. am I wrong? My I bad. Am I not remembering that right? My bad. I no, think, no, I, I'm yeah. not sure. I think they're really close, correct. if not. If yeah, they're I, really close, if not. But, I'd had to but Flashpoint happens later. Crisis happens like in the '80s. Yes, yeah. So it'd be kind of cool to put them together. You could pull that off. It wouldn't be so hard. 
I don't know. I seen, what, so what do you? Uh, I don't have enough DC. What fandom. is the problem with DC? What do you think the? So I think that they're not the, patient. The Dark Knight trilogy, phenomenal, absolutely, like relaunches. I would say the whole comic book movie genre. Yeah, I, I agree. and lets Marvel develop. Yeah. DC then is like, well, we need a universe because Marvel has a universe. And yeah. Nolan just closed the whole chapter or the whole book on Batman. Well, hold on. Don't forget there's something out of order there. Man of Steel comes out before DC says, we need a universe. And that's where they, they mess up because Man of Steel, while the last third of it is junk. The last third of Man of Steel's junk. It was so they, hard. It's, it was such a buildup. Yeah. It was so hard. He's so <laughs> out of character there. But you could have still built on that instead of, like, I thought, so they said, they said we need a universe to catch up with Marvel. And they immediately start talking about Batman and Superman teen-ups and the Justice League. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Make yeah. Man of Steel 2. Yeah. And then get back to some of the make another hero and then another hero and then get to the Justice League. Yeah, they jumped directly to we got to team up and save the world instead of let's develop some characters, let you get some like feels for Cyborg because like, yeah. oh, we're just randomly throwing in this robot, dude. Yeah. Too much greed and too much impatience. Yeah. It, as much as like I really like DC's in the same situation as the WWE. They okay, just, that's a good one. They're not finishing. They don't finish well. They don't finish well, and the WWE's in the same boat right now. They just there are so many like beefs and storylines that they get impatient with, and they take the easy road out. And then you go with AEW. They're actually taking their time. Mm -hmm. And their storytelling, and trusting that people still care about storytelling. Yeah, and uh, they the WWE is just no longer has the ability to tell good stories. We're so a, we're a long ways from the days of the late '90s where WCW took the stories and just ran them into the ground. Well, right? well, the w, WCW had management issues, and so they 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 were making finance. WWE, but they does, played the stories out and then some, and yeah. then it was like, okay, yeah. so do something different. Yeah. Well, the 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 wrestling world comes from a thing called the carnival world. They the carnies, the wrestling and carnival used to go together, and there's a thing in the carnival world called kayfob, and that's this thing that you do where. People have to know what's real and what's not. Is the guy really lifting 500 pounds? And how come he can lift and he's super skinny? And then you come over, try to lift it, and you can't budge it. But the really, and so what is, is there a lever? It's called KFOB. It's this inability for you to know what's real and what's fake. Like I remember when Ric Flair faked a heart attack in the ring in WCW. We all thought it was real, too. Oh, yeah. I thought yeah, that was real. We thought that he did such a phenomenal job faking that. And then they take these real storylines like Hulk Hogan and Elizabeth, and they bring that. See, they brought all that to the ring. So when when Elizabeth and Randy's Macho Man Savage got married, they were actually divorced in real life when they got married in the ring. Uh -huh. So they come up with these these storylines based on real events, but are they? We don't know what's real. We don't know what's fake. And then it happens all the time. Wrestling. There are sometimes a guy gets really hit. Brock Lesnar will get mad at you. He's hit people for real and giving people staples. And they call it sending you a receipt. You don't know what's real. And what's fake, that's where you want to leave your audience with, I don't know, I can't figure out what's the real, what's what's going on here, what's really happening. They've lost that. So mm -hmm. there's no, 
Remember, because we really thought WCW was being taken over by these WWF. The NWO. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It felt real at the yeah. beginning. Yeah. They sold out on it. Did you was, come in to see WCW? Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, and they use their real names. They got away from all the comic book character stuff, except for the Luchadors, which that's the history of Luchadors. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like, man, it it was so real. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. Yeah. <laughs> Did you come to see WCW? Okay. And I think DC is struggling. They're rushing their storyline. Good segue. Good segue back. Okay. Oh, I said that was a good segue. Oh, I'm sorry. We, that, that's what we were talking about. I, yeah. They're rushing their storyline, and they don't finish. They don't finish well. I'll give Marvel knows they don't get some things right, but for the sake of the story, they finish. Yeah. And then we'll go back and go, okay, do we take this one out? Do we put this one in? Because what Disney is doing now with their, with their subscription, where you can go watch the whole line straight through, it's brilliant. It's yeah. just brilliant. yeah. yeah. Um, There's no way around it. Even the mediocre stuff, when you watch it within the narrative of the whole cin- cinematic storyline, mm-hmm. you, you can sit through it. Well, that leads us to our next question very nicely, because the next question from Scott Patrick Dillon, another former guest host. Friend of the podcast. Friend well. of the pod. I love it. Uh, he said, what characters do we want in an MCU series? Characters we want in an MCU series that we that, have, not being, that, we, that we haven't, haven't seen, seen yet, yeah. or haven't seen much of. Well, so for me, this like triggered uh, one of the few things DC's done right recently. Um, they did a Peacemaker series based off John Cena's character in Suicide Squad, and he got his own series, and it was phenomenal. Yeah, you're a big fan. I oh, haven't watched it yet. Yeah, I haven't either. Amazing. And John Cena's hilarious. Like, I didn't know that John Cena could be funny. Mm. Burn and honesty all at the same time. Um, but for me, the character I would like to see a series about. This is a Marvel character. Marvel character. Okay, I'm just checking DC guy. Black Panther movie. M'Baku. Mm. You want to see an M'Baku series? I do. Mm. Well, there's lots of rumors flying around that he's going to be the new Black Panther. Oh. Because Letitia Wright may have lost it with her anti-vaccination uh, stance. That's a rumor. So I'm where, not where, that where I lack the area that I'm weak in with Marvel is Luke Cage. I, haven't, I still have oh, to yeah. watch them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that was a so, cool show. And so Luke Cage is, I know the comic, but I haven't watched the show. So I don't know what they've introduced through that show because there's a lot of cool comics based on Luke Cage where there are characters that could that like Blue Marvel. Like there are some cool mm-hmm. characters out there that I haven't got a lot of press and I don't know if they've done anything with that. There's some off shoots that I haven't seen that I don't know if they've done anything with Blue Marvel yet. No. no they no. haven't. But Blue Marvel is a bad dude, bro. Like of all of the superheroes that are African American, that's a yeah. mm, Blue Marvel. You ain't running up on him. I'll tell, I'll <laughs> you ain't you running up on Blue Marvel, dog. I'm just you know, telling you. They'll probably bring Luke Cage into the MCU at some point, but he won't be anything like the Netflix one. I'll tell you where the Netflix series don't get credit for is they tried to do something that was like true to like the. So what they did with Luke Cage was they made it like a black exploitation flick. Oh, remember like the old Foxy uh-huh, Browns uh-huh, and Shaft, uh-huh. and they made it very much in that vein. It's uh-huh. in Harlem, yeah, and it just has that feel about yeah. it, man. It was just so, 
it was it, for especially if we were old enough to remember those seeing yeah, those movies man. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then of course they kind of make fun of it, and I'm gonna get you, sucker. Yeah. If you that, remember that, one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh, so funny. <laughs> one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, but yeah, like so they really tried to make something that was almost too too um unique for people got you because like i think people didn't appreciate the luke cage series i didn't watch it i, I still i have it to watch i just haven't had a chance so to you'll like it i think okay. you'll like it okay i think luke cage out of the netflix series was probably my second favorite oh no maybe third i thought i, I enjoyed it but daredevil and punisher were just the two big ones for me from netflix yeah and the first season of Jessica Jones, I really, really liked. But the second season, I thought it went downhill. Yeah. Um, so y you said... Uh, Mbaku. Just because, like, you have, like, this whole separate tribe that's, like, off on their own that, like, he can... He fought for the Black Panther crown, lost mm, it. Yeah, he lost And, it. like, his tribe's not getting all that Wakanda, like technology and stuff i mean yeah they're the, a, they're the mountain crew yeah they're yeah. a whole different like ball game and it would be cool to know more about him and okay. that area so, so they did announce uh, that they were doing a series called um wakanda Dude. forever i think it's yeah. the same as the, or something of wakanda yeah so like they're there i bet that's coming maybe not in baku though because i think he's gonna be a movie i think he's i, I think he's gonna be the next black panther from everything I've heard. Like he, Which I'm not sure how I feel about it, but okay. I, I like that actor. And I like Winston Duke, yeah. yeah. But I'm not sure I like that character being... Part of it that just makes me sad, because I wanted more T'Challa. Yes. And they killed off Killmonger. Yeah. So you can't have that unless you have some weird... Which... <sighs> so can I... I just pulled up Blue Marvel's strengths. <laughs> You're I just, still I, Blue I, excited I want this. you guys to hear this. He has super human strength. Okay, so like he can lift. Then one comic, he catches an aircraft like it's going. He just reaches out and, and stops it. He's got the nigh invulnerability, um, so he can withstand tremendous impact forces like nuclear bombs. Does he have a picture? And uh, then he can be exposed to terrible amounts of temperature, and so he's able to, to endure physical trauma. He can fly. Okay, he has enhanced mental perception, so he's able to sense and comprehend things at levels that far exceed human capabilities. He has energy generation, so he's able to somehow generate energy with antimatter that can equate to the amount of an atomic bomb. He has molecular manipulation. <laughs> okay, he has bioluminescence. He has longevity, and he's a trained combatant because he was in the U.S. Marines, and he played football as a fullback at Cornell University. <laughs> <laughs> it, he is one of the most intriguing characters. That they have not done anything with it, I think. He's like the black Superman. I think. I was going to say, like, yes. he sounds like Superman, but on steroids yes. almost. <laughs> well, I will say. So I just want to throw him out there to all your listeners. He looks like a bad mamma jamma. Yes, I told all, you. That's a bad, I try to tell you. First of all, Scott, who asked that question, never in a million years would have guessed Blue Marvel. <laughs> would have been one of the characters. <laughs> Secondly, you're right, DJ. There's a treasure trove of characters yes. from those old Luke yes. Cage, uh, Iron Fist, uh, Power yeah. Incorporated comics that they yeah, could have. That uh, they can play with. Yeah. The Heroes for Hire. Yeah. And yeah. I hope that if they ever bring Blue Marvel out, 
Because here's the thing, they've changed some of these characters, right, to fit some of these some of these cultural narratives that we're trying to do, some of yeah. these things. And you don't have to. You've already got black superheroes that mm -hmm. are awesome. Could you imagine just out of the blue if Blue Marvel just shows them, you guys need some help? Oh, I will literally jump through the I will I will ascend. <laughs> I'm just it will be like the rapture has taken place. I'm going to glory. I it would be bad. Um, I would I would it would have made just as much sense as like Captain Marvel just yes. randomly showing up at the end of Endgame. Yes, that's what I'm saying. You don't have to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Sorry. So Punisher would have been one of mine for sure. One of the ones we've kind of already seen, although not yeah. in the MCU. We that's saw right. on Netflix. John Bernthal's great. So let me ask you great this. Is the Punisher. If you put it in the MCU, what are you doing? What, what, what would you what would you what would be the one of the first things you would do? Well, first of all, um, I don't know that I throw him in with a bunch of heroes. Okay. I think I still just want Punisher stories. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, but I just want him in that world. And, and don't you love that? that he'll occasionally. That, don't you love that Marvel does that? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I love that. I would, I would, yeah, I'd love to just see him with his own series where, like, you know, every odd episode, occasionally he'd cross paths with someone who, yeah, who didn't approve, right? Yeah, yeah, like Ant-Man or somebody. Some of it's the like, best, <laughs> some of the Punisher's best stories in the comic books are when he comes across Captain America. Because yeah. in Captain America, you have the Boy Scout yeah. who would not approve no. of Frank Castle's no. uh, tendencies. No. But here's the rub. Frank Castle, mil ex-military man, idolizes Steve Rogers. Yeah. But yeah. he's broken, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, like, it's a weird. It's a. Yeah. It was such a. It was always cool in the comics when they would get yeah. together. I'm with you because the in, dynamic yeah, there I'm is into interesting. I, I'm yeah. In, yeah. Like, I would be cool to have like him just randomly come across Spider Man, who is so naive and like boyish, <laughs> and then you have <laughs> so Punisher's grizzled. first appearance is in a Spider Man comic. Yeah. So that's not out of the realm of possibility. And if Spider-Man, what that appears like in the MCU is Spider-Man's back to that street level Thank hero. You. That's it's what very I want. possible because that's where he would run across the Punisher when he's dealing with street level crime yeah. and syndicates, the kingpin, yeah. the mob, Bet. you know. Bet. And and there's also a piece to this where you're going, okay, if we do this with the Punisher, it gives you the freedom. You don't have to stick very close to the you can go wherever you want because it's not going to hurt the narrative. Yeah. So if you have an interaction, so if you, let's say the Punisher, had they reboot it and do a show on Netflix and for three episodes you have Spider-Man there and they run into each other, <sighs> and that would be, ah. Poor Tom Holland. Ah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, th that that's the only character that we've already kind of seen. Well, him and, but I'm saving the other one. Um, Hercules. Who is an oh, Avenger? He was on yeah. my list. Hercules yeah, was. I didn't yeah. know you had some more. No, I, I only had two, and it was Mbaku and Hercules, and then the Inhumans. Oh, okay. Mm, okay. That's a whole nother ball yeah, game. Boy, Hercules was always one of my favorite Avengers. He's always around when Thor's kind of yeah. not available. Yeah. Right. Because <laughs> you can't have too much power on the <laughs> Avengers at one time. Uh, but Hercules was kind of different than Thor in that he was a little bit more uncouth. Yeah. He he like he like was he drank a lot in the comics. Yeah, I was say he, his morality. He had some yeah, morality. Yeah, a little bit looser morality. Uh, another Avenger, Wonder Man. Oh yeah, I forgot about Wonder. I Man. I did forget about him too. Wonder Man would be great 
and James Gunn wanted to use him as a for a cameo in one of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, and Marvel wouldn't let him. Rude. Which tells me they have future plans for him. So, oh, fingers crossed. Because Wonder Man in the in the Marvel comics is an actor and a famous actor. Yeah, he's like a movie star. Yeah, and a superhero. I see. I don't remember if this ever happened, but I always wonder why uh, why Punisher and Iron Man didn't get on the have a cross. Yeah. Because them two egos together, I'd be interested to see. So, what, but you could do the same thing with Wonder Man. Oh. If you had somehow, oh, yeah. as far somehow, as conceitedness goes, nobody is on <laughs> Wonder Man's level, which would be hilarious. Yeah, put him level. in anything. Yeah, put him in anything. Uh, Captain Britain. Okay, Captain Britain, Brian Braddock, yeah. who yeah. has a lot of ties to maybe the Black Knight and kind of the multiverse stuff. Yeah, yeah. So that could be a possibility. I won't get too much. I all about Captain Britain because my all-time favorite <laughs> and the one they didn't do justice to on uh -oh. Netflix, Iron Fist. Man, I want a good Iron Fist. And Marvel has an interesting opportunity here because, you know... Who played Iron Fist? I'm blank. It I didn't was know the about dude that. from Game of Thrones. I don't remember his name. Cody can look it up. Cody um, can look it up. He's, you know, he was okay. Part of it was story. I, I don't even know. know that was out. It just wasn't... You were getting... The Netflix Iron Fist is very, like... Finn er, Jones. Finn, oh, Finn Jones. He's very, Finn Jones. He's very green... He's like it's early Iron Fist. Yes. Okay. And I don't think that's if you're so gonna they do got future things planned, do you know? Well, Iron Fist is awesome. But I uh, no, I don't think they have any there's no rumors out there. I just okay. wish they we could introduce him in the actual MCU. And what I was getting at was, you know, most often we've talked about this. I'm not for changing the race of a character just for representation, because I feel like it's it's disingenuous. But Marvel actually has a, actually has an opportunity where it makes sense and it works for two characters that they could that they could very well introduce the MCU. One of them is Iron Fist. the The big thing about Iron Fist was always how come it's got to be a white guy? Oh, yeah. a white guy's got to be the the kung fu master, right? Because you had Shang Chi, but yeah. you know, Iron Fist. You could totally. The only important thing about Iron Fist is that he's American. Okay, yeah. so make him an Asian American who doesn't know anything about where his ancestry is from, but make him totally American and then have him play out the Danny Rand story. Yeah, like I think that would totally work. And I'm for that. The other character is Logan Wolverine. I think you could totally make him an indigenous Canadian and it would <laughs> it just makes sense. Yeah, because he's a character who's um, aside from being a mutant is just uh, the underdog forever. And if and it just makes sense if he's an indigenous character that like yeah there's a reason he's the underdog man he feels that um, so yeah those are Iron Fist is a big one for me I love uh, Iron Fists and I would love to see him in the MCU real real MCU real. Um, that's how I feel about the Arrow or Green Arrow in DC is yeah. I really like him yeah and yeah he. Yeah, they did. They did. They they that was tough. You said the D DC EU has a Superman Batman problem. I think they have an Arrowverse problem. That too, because for a while that was the only thing they really had going. I think right. So they're they don't want to stop it. But I think if you want the movie series like Marvel has, you got to put an end to that alternate Arrowverse stuff. Go straight with it's all movies or it's all HBO Max series. Yeah. And mm. then you can go back to TV for characters like the MCU did. Yeah. But like you got it in the Arrowverse. That stuff like the what's his name is Green Arrow. 
I know people like that show. I couldn't stand it. Um, early, I, I think even early, the early Flash was okay for me, but it's got annoying too. I think after like season three of Arrow, it got too. It went on too long. Yeah, because you have the flashbacks, and you're like, oh, so this is how he like survived on the island and oh this is where he developed his skills to be fighting crime in the streets yeah my kids are still watching the flash and i don't even know what season they're on but i see him watching it and i sit down and watch a little bit of it, like this is rancid it's <laughs> so bad so bad um okay that's all the questions we have for this week hey we we post we post the cue for this on our social media, on Facebook and Twitter. So if you're not following us, you need to follow us so you can give us the questions for the next episode uh, for this the new segment we call The Lobby. But it's time. It's it's over. We spent too long. Now we got to get out of the lobby. Get out back of the lobby. Into the, back into the pod room. Uh, so we'll take a break and be right back. We're going to talk documentaries. That's why we're here. One hour later. I forgot why I was here. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. Okay, we're back with uh, finally the main uh, thrust of our podcast here this week. We are going to talk about our favorite documentaries. DJ, you are all about the documentaries. Why do you love documentaries? Um, I think it's the storytelling. Um, I also, um, there's something about, like what we learned from Michael Jordan's Last Dance is there's something about going back in time and looking at things that have been documented, especially when you have the original footage and the interviews and the transcripts and how you felt back then and how you feel now or when time has passed, there is some differentiation. And so Scotty and Michael are probably not going to be friends again because of that documentary. Yeah, And it's not just because Scotty... Does Michael have friends? It's not just because Scotty wasn't in it enough. It's now he's older. He's reflecting. And he's like, I should have been more appreciated. Yeah. And so there's something about time and, and maturity that especially documentary that goes back into time and tells a story. Now we try to tell stories too fast. Yeah. Um, I, you know how people always say, I want to be on the right side of history. You have no control over that. No. So um, uh it's very interesting for me to go back into time and listen to people talk about something that had happened. I love that type of storytelling. I also really like with several good documentaries, even with th subjects that I think I know, mm. like the amazement and shock that, oh, this happened and I didn't know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I grew up with like the first three Pete and the second three Pete. Yeah. And I'm like, all this was going on. <laughs> like yeah. I didn't know like yeah. half of that. And so, yes, like a good documentary will have like, it'll capture all of that. All those things. Yeah. I, I'm, I am. And I, and then I also love storytelling. Um, I love creative storytelling. I love a good story. I mean, if you, even if it's just a verbal one, if you have a story, 
I want to hear it. Well, yeah. and I think that's like what's lost on some people who maybe don't give documentaries a chance mm. is they're like, it's to them, they equate it like, well, why would I, I don't like nonfiction. Why would I want to read a yeah. nonfiction book? I want fiction. But really there's an art form to the documentary, to the way they construct it. But when I feel like growing up, the only documentaries I was exposed to were educational documentaries. Oh yeah. I wasn't exposed to a lot of Well, we're in the golden age of documentaries. Now. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. exposed um, to a lot of documentaries about the only documentary I won't can I say it? Um, the only documentary I was exposed the first documentary I ever watched was the Clinton Chronicles. <laughs> <laughs> Like, uh, I remember. So, so that was the type of, and so I, I didn't know what documentaries could do. And then I remember the first time I saw Bowling for Columbine. Oh yeah, that's another and, good one. And and it kind of raised my, I was like, whoa. And whether you, you like who's him, who's the or, guy that did Michael that? Moore. Michael Moore. Michael Moore. Yeah. Whether you like him or not, he's a he's a good storyteller, and he challenges the way that people think. And so you may not agree with everything he says. Because people love making character, how do you say that? Caricatures, Caricatures. out yeah. of people. We yeah. love, especially people that we disagree with. Yeah. Um, and so he will fall that way sometimes. But I, I still want to, just to watch the guy who played Moses, and he was the president of the NRA at the time. What's Charlton Heston. Just to watch him and and just this old grumpy man. And whether that's not who he is, that's somebody's grandpa, you know. Somebody loves him, and he was just, by the time that movie had come out, he's this old grumpy man. They go over to his house, and they confront him about guns, and he was, <laughs> get off my porch. <laughs> so it's one of those things where yeah. I love that. So that's what I value about that. Um, yeah. Like when I was growing up, so the History Channel is huge. Yeah. And so like – you have like the JFK documentaries of yeah, like, yeah. okay, so yeah. how did he really yeah, die? Yeah. Who did this? Like the conspiracy stuff, but then you also have like Camelot wasn't so perfect. And then like you get those sort of documentaries. But like you said, Dave, that we're in a much better age of documentaries and storytelling. And it doesn't even have to be famous situations. That's what I was going to say, because with documentaries, you don't have to have one of the major platforms and you can put it in the Sundance and it'll blow up. Oh yeah. And so even the Michael Jackson one was a very interesting documentary where the, the, the dancer comes out and tells people his story. Mm. Uh, the guy who danced and did the choreography for NSYNC and mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Very interesting. Not saying that I believe him, yeah. As a matter of fact, after I watched it, I kind of was like, eh. but yeah. still there's a story being told and it makes you, there are nuances to Michael Jackson's story that says, even if he didn't do it, this is a broken man who has no clue the dynamics of family social life. Mm, something yeah. happened. He's either a very broken man, something happened, or he's evil and he was hurting people. And without those documentaries, those conversations, mm-hmm. we have nothing to go by. I can't wait to the one that comes out on Bill Cosby. Oh, yeah. 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 And so, so yeah, there's a point in time where documentaries really start emerging. Because like, like you said, I don't remember. So I remember Ken Burns. Yes. The PBS ones, he did Civil yes, War and yes, Baseball. Yes, yes, yes. He did a documentary on baseball. Baseball one was good. Really good. Um, I, and I remember Michael Moore. Yeah. And really, you didn't hear a lot about documentaries no. outside of those. 
Um, you knew that like, you know, there was a category in the Academy Awards every year, but they yeah. just weren't yeah, they weren't as big as they are now. Um, and then if I I'll start things off here with one of my favorites. In nineteen ninety-six, the one that turned a corner for me and I thought, wow, I want to watch more documentaries if they're gonna make them like this was a documentary called When We Were Kings. Um here's yeah. the description for it. On October 30th, 1974, perhaps the most famous heavyweight championship boxing match of all time took place in Kinshasa Zaire, the rumble in the jungle between champion George Foreman and challenger Muhammad Ali. In historical footage and new interviews, this documentary explores the relationship between African Americans and the African continent during the Black Power era in terms of both popular culture and international politics, including the brutality of then dictator Mobutu Sese Seko. Uh, came out in January '96. Here's here's what impressed me. So, did you watch it in '96, or did you oh, watch yeah. it? See, yeah, I so I saw it way back later. then, and and I can't even remember how. I just know we had so in Lawrence they had Liberty Hall, which was the place where all the like kind of indie movies went. And normally I don't think they would get documentaries, but this one made a big splash at Sundance or mm. uh, or Cannes. Yeah, you know one of those film festivals. And so they got it at Liberty Hall, and I remember I went and saw it on a whim, and and uh, this made two point seven million dollars the box office, wow. which is big for a documentary uh, directed by Leon Gast. And it won the Academy Award that year for Best Documentary. I remember for me, it really awoke uh, awoke in me just an, a, a hunger to read as much as I could about Muhammad Ali. I remember directly after this, I read what what would become one of my favorite books, nonfiction books. It's called um, Cassius Clay versus the United States of America, Muhammad yeah. Ali's Greatest Fight, uh, which basically told the story about kind of, you know, an un willing he really wasn't trying to be a leader in the civil rights movement. no but that's kind of what he became yeah kind of on accident fighting his own fight yep. right mm -hmm. um which was this fight of like him saying i'm not going to go to vietnam but he also really admired malcolm x and had yes malcolm x had his ear mm -hmm. so and that's talked about in, yes. in this documentary so quite a bit ali some of uh the teachings of malcolm just would come out he just really was enamored by malcolm x yeah one of my favorite things about a documentary and this was kind of my introduction to it and and for 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 all that kind of stuff this really focuses on just the rumble in the jungle yeah so you're you're after I've, yeah I've you're, you're after all that it's later in muhammad's uh, career and he's 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 the underdog here which yeah. is not like his position to usually be and um, it's all based around, so like the lead up to it, like the 30 days of lead up while they're there training. Uh, Don King, who's like, yeah. this is like his first promotion, big yeah. promotion. He puts on what is called the uh, African Woodstock. That's what he called it. And so like all the best African-American uh, uh, singers and bands were there. James Brown, yeah. The Spinners, B.B. Yeah. Uh, King. Yeah. It's just wonderful music in this documentary. I, I still have the soundtrack. It's on my, it's, on, it's in yeah. my iTunes. Uh, I love everything about it. And what, I, what I've learned from this that I now is present in all the documentaries I love with are they as filmmakers able to put together the show to tell a story like you said, but to really transport you to this time and place mm. if they're telling a story about a time and place. Mm. And so this one, man, you feel like you're there. Um, lots of people in this movie that they interview, of course, including James Brown, Spike Lee, 
uh, is in this, uh, writers, George Plimpton and, um, oh, who's the other guy? Norman Mailer. Mm. So they were mm. big sports mm. writers and writers at the time. Uh, George Foreman's, uh, you know, they get his thoughts in here too. Howard Cosell is in it. Uh, just a lot of people. And it's a wonderful documentary. The only problem now is if you got to be able to find it, can you find it? Cause it's not easy to find, to watch at one point it was on YouTube. I don't know if it still is, but if you get a chance, 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, great, great documentary, great film, not more than a great documentary. It's a great film. It's just great. Yeah. I, I, you, you nailed it. I mean, it takes you there. The music, one of the best soundtracks of all time. And they blend the music so well in so that when they're telling the story of the fight, they're interspersing all this music to go with how the fight's going. And by the time the fight ends, and if you don't know what happens in the Rumble in the Jungle, it's kind of a shocking finish. Um, if you don't know, it, it ends, and then they bring back this part of the music that had to do with like some some like tribal thing with like a yeah. vaguely voodoo witch doctory feel to it. Yeah. And it was just like, I remember being like, I'm pumped up because that fight was amazing. Yeah. And I remember I used to watch this before I played like basketball games and stuff to get pumped really? up. Yeah. Wow. I love this. Yeah. And so that's, uh, that's my first documentary when we were Kings Oscar winner, 1996, man, I'm trying to think my wow. first documentary. Uh, yeah, I couldn't name it. I, I mean, I saw other ones in school and but, stuff, but, but this the was the one, one that, that really with yeah, yeah, sat it. with me. And I remember yeah. I bought it. I was one of the first DVDs I bought. Yeah. Interesting. Wish I still had that because DVDs uh, are hard to come by too. It's probably worth something. I I didn't start watching documentaries and really getting into them until like 2010. Yeah, well, I think that's most people. Yeah, um, I was really late to this party. Um, not a whole lot of value, and the ones that I watched were all conspiracy theorists. I used to be like when I was in college, I was a hardcore New World Order. Like in this uh, Illuminati, yeah. And so I, most of the documentaries I watched were uncovering um, the government and how they are against us. So you were mm. you were really into the nine eleven stuff, weren't you? No, not yet, but leading no. up to that. Um, and then the nine eleven conspiracy didn't come out for a couple of years. What was this had change? It had something about change. What so was the big it, documentary yeah. they put out? So so I didn't really get to that one. I watched when I, that by one. the time nine eleven happened, I'm coming down off of that. Okay. And and I don't let I call him Leon. Leon is not allowed to come out. <laughs> um, Leon hopefully is buried forever. Part of me becoming a believer has been like letting that go. So so my first documentary experiences weren't anything interesting other than that quacky um, conspiracy theorist stuff. So when I finally started getting back to them, I was um, watching HBO. This is back when I had Dish. And mm -hmm. there was a documentary on Basquiat. Uh, the uh, uh, farm, the the artist from Harlem, I believe. Oh yeah, and um, it was just about. His, I have no clue who he was. He was around in like the seventies. Did not know about this African American artist, and they basically. And I mean, we're talking about a lot of pretentious um, Hollywood type. Like Andy Warhol is like all over this show. This guy changed his paintings were so innovative and way ahead of his time and i don't know why i just couldn't stop watching it um and so i watched that one that was one of the first documentaries i watched i'm like man that was kind of a cool little story of a person i didn't know who it was mm -hmm. 
Um, and so then that's when 2010 is where my documentary experience starts really okay. coming into scene. So mm. what was it, Cody? Do you remember the first one that really resonated with you? Um, no, not really. It, like, so the one that I'm going to list first is probably the earliest one I can remember streaming because streaming had just become a bigger thing. Um, and it is um, a documentary that came out in 2009, Tar Creek. And you might be like, I don't even know what I've that's never about. Never heard of it. Never, never heard, heard of it. it, yeah. Okay, so, and it wasn't a big production, but um, it has a 7.4 on IMDb. But they uh, talk about the town of Pitcher, Oklahoma. Which is in... I know where Pitcher, Oklahoma is. I know a lot about Pitcher, Oklahoma. Okay, so it's all about how it's a sinkhole and that everyone was forced to move. Move out. I have seen that. Say what now? I have seen that. Yeah. And so now it's like a ghost. It's ghost town It's a ghost town now. Yeah, I I have seen that. Like there was an old lady that like refused to move, but (laughs) like... I have seen that. So they tell about how mining... uh, Made the whole, the whole town. town just go. <laughs> yeah. What's uh, the name of this? I'm gonna write Tar- it down. Tar Creek. Tar Creek. Yeah. And yeah. you can watch it for free online. Yeah. Um. But like the thing was, as I'm watching this, and this, it's probably in 2011. I'm going back and forth to seminary, and I have to go through Pitcher, Oklahoma, oh, every wow. trip. And the people that uh, the church I was at, they. Uh, talked about how there's rumors that those mines go clear to the outskirts of Joplin. Absolutely. And what? So I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> like, wow. and if you drive through picture, there's like these huge And there's mounds. bodies. Yeah. There, I'm, I'm telling you what I know. I mean, I know for a fact. In the, in the mines? Yeah, oh yeah, brother. Oh yeah, I know for a fact. Wow. Um, there's a lot of missing people in a lot of small towns, even up in Kansas. I was going to say in that, Columbus. We're they, talking about Columbus, Baxter Springs. They talk about the strip pits. There's, uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. There's a lot of white supremacy faction in this area, and that's their go-to. Mm-hmm. Mm, wow. Yeah. Wow. So wow. Th- <laughs> this one was like... Cause and, I, and the police, there are sheriffs and... Police chiefs, and this ain't Leon talking. I'm just telling you what <laughs> the evidence is presenting. There are police officers in some of these towns that are in on this. Huh. A lot of meth running. This place is now a unofficial official cemetery for people who want to get rid of evidence and get rid of. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like the bus stop on yeah, Yellowstone. It is. <laughs> um, but so I'm watching this and I'm like, and they talk about how, like, the creek that runs through it, the river, Tar Creek, yeah. um, that it's, it has so much lead poisoning that the kids that were grew up there, there was higher rates of autism and lead poisoning mm-hmm. and, like, a bunch of weird things. And I'm like, this is happening in America. This isn't, like, a third-world country. Like, wow. this is literally 20 miles from where I'm working and living. <laughs> You know, that was something that was not lost on me when um, Flint was in the news, Mm -hmm. Um, Flint, Michigan. And I know in our times, and DJ kind of spoke to this earlier, 
um, that that the focus on that was that Flint was a mostly minority mm-hmm. town, and that that was the focus, and that it's just it was just another example of racism. But y- you know, it's not it, it's not convenient to say that uh, mining's been doing that to m- many small white towns for a long mm. time, poisoning the water table. You know. And and it's it's not that I, I want to discount like is that a factor? Sure, mm. yeah. We didn't care because it was a mostly minority town. But the the truth is, humans are awful and greedy, and and they'll do that to anybody. And I think that's the thing that comes out in all these documentaries. Yeah, is ego, and all of I mean, if the seven deadly sins um, are just so prevalent. So if you're watching fire and this guy's trying to put oh, together this party fire that, that never oh, yeah. gets off. I mean, all of the deadly sins are there. You got avarice and you got deceit and you got pride and all yeah. these things. I think to, for me, that's the other thing that documentaries do. And there's a lot of inappropriate documentaries. Um, I wanted to say I kind of divided mine up in categories. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, so... So I need to know how you guys want me to do this. I thought about the Fire Festival yeah. documentary. Yes. But then I had to narrow it down to what I thought was really good filmmaking for a documentary, which I didn't include that one. I think the oh, reason... I don't think it's like yeah. filming. I'm saying that you just look at... It, it was right. a very sensational story. But hold yes. on. Let, let me tell you why. I liked it. Because you know how sometimes like someone will be describing something it's like it was like a slow motion train wreck. I couldn't take my eyes off it. Yeah. The fire festival itself. Yeah. It being documented in front of you is like watching a slow motion train wreck with rich people on it. But it's also the <laughs> yeah. so but it's, like, it's yeah. also that sense of deception, social media, leveraging social media. I mean, there were people who were excited about this and thought it was gonna happen. And this guy really thought he could pull. I mean, if he pulls it off, he's a genius. Oh, he was like, he's, what would you even call that when someone's like in total, complete denial like that? That dude really thought he was pulling it off. And the whole time you're watching that, you're like, no, bro, this isn't going to work. Well, I was afraid he was going to pull it off. I was watching because. And his poor old helper. This happens more. This happens more than we want to admit that somebody does something crazy and then all the pieces fall into place and they get called a genius. I think the thing that you, I am most disappointed with in life is when you start meeting people who are of the upper enchilada and you sit at a table and you find out how non-genius they really are. Oh, yeah. And so yeah. Um, that, that was what's going on there. There's so many things that we don't know that happened with Woodstock that fell into place. Yeah, that make them look like there's this thing going on that they did that was magnificent. So there's a oh. lot of things that's to fall in place for this guy. But it wouldn't be the first time somebody's had this what we would call impossible situation where things just fall yeah. into place and it happens and he looks like a genius. Well, I could see that way of thinking because things get romanticized over time. So if he could have pulled it off even halfway, absolutely, it probably would have been remembered as Ab- legendary. Absolutely, because Woodstock was a disaster. Yeah, absolutely. For all intents and, and, and purposes, the yeah. mud and the lack of toilets <laughs> yeah. and the but it's uh, like amount of people who were uh, yeah. uh, raped and abused. I mean, it's and the yeah. the Hell's Angels finishes it off with stabbing people. And yeah. I mean, but if you so were there, it's like a badge of honor. Like yeah, yeah I was there. <laughs> Good times, so that's my like, point that I'm trying to make. Yeah, 
he's keeping that in his mind. In my opinion. So I'm watching this going, is he really going to pull this off? This is junk. And he's going to pull it off with influencers. That's yeah. the other part of it is that these people are selling things that they don't even know that it's real. Yeah. But you have influencers on Instagram telling people, I can't wait to go to Fire Festival because da, 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 da. Uh, Bieber's wife is yes. one of them that all these, it. <laughs> all these people have to pull out. Wow. Yes. Yeah. I mean, your boy Ja Rule. <laughs> your boy. I completely, I completely blacked out that he was a part of that. Ja Rule is like really thinking this is going to happen. So that's. You're going to put it on me. Yeah. 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 I wish I was DMX, but I'm not. So. I forgot he was a part of that. Man, okay, I so, did not forget. <laughs> so I recently watched a documentary about the Night Stalker on Netflix. That mug is scary. Like, yeah. they <sighs> were trying to get you to feel what that L.A. community felt in, that, in those Hispanic neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. That, there were times, I was watching that at night, Yo, <laughs> yo, that documentary is so, and then he was captured by the people. So it was very interesting how the Hispanic uh, people handled that. Yeah. It was one of them. They didn't let him hide among them. They were like, they took him down and <laughs> called the cops. And like, we got him. Right. And like when you watch the end of it, when you watch the interviews, you're like, these people are proud. Like, yo, we told y'all he better not come down through here. (laughs) And so it's like that that documentary, I enjoyed how they make and it's a Hispanic detective telling the story. And um, you feel it. Yeah. There's a scene where he hears something in his house and he's laying in bed with his wife and his kids. And he thinks that because the Night Stalker is in his neighborhood. They've had murders in his name. So he made his wife move with his, her parents, and he was living by himself because we have to get this guy. And you feel it. If you watch it at nighttime by yourself, oh, my gosh. There were times where I was like, ah, it gave me the eebie-jeebies. <laughs> yeah. like watching, you know, the, it gave me the eebie-jeebies. And I, so I thought that was a profound – I think it's cool that they made it scary because that's how the whole city of L.A. Yeah. Felt. I don't like the scary. I know you don't. I know you don't. But I. But don't. I think if you're doing that, if you're telling, telling the story, that, yeah, that no, story, no, you I, have to. Listen, yeah. I'm not denying they can't be good because I remember watching um, "Don't F." Uh, oh, with, with cats, cats, cats yeah. uh, which my wife, <laughs> yeah. man, that was scary on, to me. That was just like, oh, that what? scared me. It scared she you. She knew early on, like without much like storytelling happening. She's like, "Oh, it's sorry, this guy," and I'm like, "Well." How See, I had never heard of the guy. This. I hadn't so heard I'm of him watching, either. She I, studied him in class. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't heard of him. So it was to me, it was scary. And then by the end of it, I'm like, okay, we got a real moral quandary. <laughs> do we? We do. do we? we do. Um, because um, the dude has probably got the tools inside him that he's going to be a serial killer at some point. Yeah, yeah. But the two people who went like overboard on the investigating him yeah. kind of nudged him in that direction. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just kind of like, there's a moral it's, issue that, that's here. The, that, that's what yeah. that documentary is about. That's in a what sense. it ends. Yeah. So because you don't, you're you don't going, realize, wait a minute, did we push him to this? You don't realize it's about that until the end when yeah. they start talking about it. Yeah. And I was like, I'm sitting there in my living room. Like, yeah, you absolutely did. <laughs> Davis. I can um, see Dave. Although you abuse <laughs> animals. Absolutely. You are 
That's a red the, flag. Yeah, yeah, well, that's the first character because I did that growing up. But it's old nature. And so that was one. That's one of the first characteristics of being yeah, outside yeah. your mind. If you don't love creation, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I'm not saying you got to be a cat lover, but I mean, his what he was doing was next level. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's but you got a nature versus nurture thing going yeah, on. Yeah, that's there true too. Yeah. At its at its root, yeah. because yes, are the are the the seeds in place for this dude to be psychotic? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but is he nudged in that direction in a sense? Because when they when they first start investigating him, yeah. he's yeah. just hurting animals. Yes, I. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> baby kittens, which they kind of uh, I hear nudged you. him in that direction. I hear, you. <laughs> and I'm just like, not the kittens, man. Yeah, so I hear you, man. I mean, the, that the, one, the, the the whole Craigslist thing, where you can meet people and oh. then show up. I I I was speechless. I did not even know. I I guess I didn't know about Craigslist was- enough. Like and I don't do Facebook Marketplace. I don't know about these How things. How scary is that? Absolutely, um, man. It's like yo. Like I'm but, walking into a situation with someone I have no, no idea who yeah, they are. So yeah. the the scary thing for me was just the fact my wife knew all about this case before <laughs> yeah. they even like got five minutes into the episode. Something random was said, and she was like, "Oh, it's this case, and this is but, the person that dies." But I will like, say, so so you got that documentary, you got the Night Stalker. Then when you watch the Hotel Cecil, oh, that yeah, is, I watched that one. That has moments where you're like, "This is getting kind of scary." Yeah, there's moments in that one when you start getting scared because you don't know if it's like supernatural Control. forces, yeah, or what's they, going on. Because the way they tell the story. It, it, you don't know because that's supposed to be haunted. A demonic, yes, possessed yes, hotel, which like ghost adventures go there yes, and man. like do. And a so you have the and it's you have the hotel, which is the nice part, and then you have that low income slash. So some of those floors are the hotel, and some of the floors are this low income mental health. Oh. That yeah. me, me and my wife were watching it like, oh my goodness, this poor girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, that that's another one that I think I, I just want to kind of throw out some some ones that I thought were were scary, just because it's very interesting that I can watch a documentary and feel that. I think that's mm-hmm. amazing that you can make a movie or a documentary and make people feel yeah. like. They are there. Yeah. Whether it be the one you said earlier or to make people feel what people were feeling mm-hmm. like it's just crazy. So that's why I wanted to bring that up. So, yeah, um, I agree with you. So one that I that goes with the mental health yeah. side of things. Yeah. Um, and it was phenomenal. Tell me who I am. Yeah. So they're twins. Yeah. One has a motorcycle accident. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So this twin is confronted with: Do I tell my brother what our childhood was really like? Yeah. Or do I paint happy pictures? Yeah. Yeah. And oh my goodness. And there's kind of there's a book that I remember reading in college about about that same kind of thing. What is that book? That movie? It was a movie made about Germany and the Jews and he pretended like oh, it's beautiful life. Yes, yeah. there was yeah. there was no occupation going to make on his that, kid to believe, make his kid yeah. yeah, same kind of thing. Yeah, uh, it's tough. Like 
Oh, the confronting of like when the brother finally is like, this doesn't click. This isn't right. It was so endearing in the Beautiful Life movie, but it, it's not in this. No. It's like, oh, no. gosh. Because then no. the the brother's so, like, oh, my goodness. So, like, our mom did this and this and this to us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it was like a t- he was living a total lie. Yeah, oh. it was. It's too bad. I mean, that part, you, you're... You see where the train is going. It yeah. cannot stop. Mm. And you know oh. everybody's going to die. And you're just going, this is sad. It, yeah. Heartbreaking. Very heartbreaking. The other one about mental health that was interesting, and there's several of them uh, on the sports side of things, but the mind of Aaron Hernandez. Oh, and yeah, And not that just one. because they're blaming concussion Shin, on it. Yeah, the CTE stuff. The CTE stuff. Not just because of that, but the fact that he's a murderer playing in the play. What type of brain can kill somebody and then catch three touchdown passes. Oh, and man. like and and I, I'm I mean he wasn't just on the field. He's a high performer. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And like he, him and, and Gronk are yes. like they're going to change the league. That's right. All the teams are going to have to have and two this tight dude, ends. So not even just you bringing up CTE or his sexual identity that also comes into that. Yes. Not even, if you take those off the table, just the fact that somebody can murder someone and then turn around and get on the largest stage of the most beloved sport in our nation and play in front of people and nobody well, know that that in that and of is, itself denotes that he's a sociopath yeah that, i For mean sure. you're, you're yeah. just like going, like cte or no the group that he's with in florida gosh. like when he's in college gosh like tim tebow's there and then yes. there's like a bunch of guys you're like Oh no! And and that's crazy of it, to think of that, him and Tim Tebow on the same team. That doesn't surprise me because I played college sports, and and that's the life of college sports. We don't get to hear, and Dave yes. knows that we don't get to hear everything that happened in the towers, and we don't want to know <laughs> everything yeah. that went on in Jayhawk Towers. But um, that part of it doesn't surprise much. But so many people covered for him. Oh yeah, that bread. And and here's the other thing that came out in that documentary that has nothing to do with mental health, but it's just interesting. When you play sports in the inner city, they won't let you be in a gang, especially if you have talent, because mm. they see you as somebody who's going to get out. Yeah. So the gangs actually protect you. Gangs will keep you from things. So that's why Allen Iverson had such a hard time. Be like, why can't he just let it go? Them his boys. Well, he doesn't make it without this protection. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Derrick Rose, he's Carmelo loyal. Anthony. Yeah. He's from Car- Carmelo Anthony's from Bmore. And he starts playing basketball at high level, and you start getting protected by these gangs. Um, a really good friend of mine that played for KU, and I just went. Playing, I guess he's not a really good friend of mine. <laughs> Who was the guard that we used to have, Dave, in the about uh, fifteen years ago? Um, played in the NBA, got drafted by the Hornets, then he got he didn't end up going, and he went back. I can't. I'll think of him in a second. Same kind of thing. He's from Chicago. Same kind of thing. Just protected because of basketball. You're talking about Shrunk Collins. Yes. yes. Yeah. Just protect. See, I knew you would know protected just because of basketball people don't understand that so you have that going on so here's this but then these athletes become pro and they become fake thugs yeah and so you have this real gangster killed by a fake he's not a gangster this dude grew up in connecticut aaron yeah. hernandez is not a gangster he had a tough life his dad was tough but he's no different than most of these dads in chanute he had a tough dad but, I mean, he just didn't have this gangster experience. But now he's this fake gangster running around with real gangster. 
and he flexes. Does, does you yeah. see what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, and like, and so it's a really, it's it's sad that that whole story is just sad. You see, especially like once he gets in jail yeah. or starts serving time in prison, yeah. like his interactions with his wife and even the the suicide note, like he references a Savage Garden song. Yeah, when he's talking to his wife. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm like. Is hey, that, I know this song. Is that yeah. not hardcore? Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. He didn't use Ice Cube Predator. Yeah. It's just like, you're not a thug. But he had bought in on this identity yeah. so much, Yeah, his behavior went downhill fast. So that's just a very interesting. The other one from a mental health standpoint is the one about the two girls called Audrey and Daisy. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think every parent should watch that. Mm -hmm. You are a documentary encyclopedia. Yes. Yeah. I think, I think that every parent should watch that with their kids that's over the age, that's in high school school because it's bullying it's cyber bullying you got this party this girl gets drunk they don't know if she they just got her drunk or put something in her drink and then they did a bunch of acts to her and they recorded it and then they started bullying her with those images yeah and it becomes a hot mess and the kids with parents with money and power don't get in trouble the kids who are poor end up getting oh, in a lot of trouble yeah and so it, it's a football team and they're being protected so there's a lot of things going on there and I think every parent should watch. I think every coach should watch it, and really let their kids know that uh, this is not. Uh, it's just very interesting how you social media yeah. doesn't get cut off, and you can go home from school. See, when we were kids, you're bullied from yeah. eight to three, but you had a little Sabbath from yeah. three yeah. to ten. You had a seven hour break. The bully didn't go home with you, but now because of cyber world and the fact that we think that it's a necessity it's not just that it's a privilege social media is a necessity. i can't live without it is what people are now pretend to like mm -hmm. yeah. and so um because of that um kids are being bullied all the all day all, all very yeah. interesting and very sad uh documentary um, um and a documentary that kind of deals with mental health, but also deals with like the health of a community and culture. Um, the OJ 30 for 30. Okay. So oh, I have man. that on my list. Yeah. That was so good. Yeah. And I think the OJ Simpson document, I don't know if it's that one. There's several of them. Yeah. There's a couple. The, so but, the 30 but, for 30 was the one that was like a six parter. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That one. Yes. Is probably the one that every one of these racial people, that have their race identity in the front seat should watch it. Mm -hmm. Just because OJ beloved by white people. Yes, he gets over on his white identity. Yes. Yeah. yes. And then when it hits the fan, all of a sudden black America takes this weird... And so Dave Chappelle's show where he does like the draft and the Wu-Tang Clan draft, uh -huh. and they have the... They trade Tiger Woods to yes. do it, and they have all these different races. That's what you see happening. This is a real-life thing, though. Yeah. It's like the white people traded him to black America after he got accused of that crime, and black America embraced him. It was like the, the juice is us, and he never had... He didn't want anything to do with civil rights. Nope. He didn't want anything to do with any of that stuff. Happens right after Rodney King. Yes. And so, like, that documentary series does a great job of giving you the historical context that is happening within uh, L.A. at that time yeah, yeah, and within O.J. Because it shows you that he is beloved... 
like Naked Gun series. Yes. Like it all does, the white people are the laughing. Hertz commercial when well, he's running through the airport. That documentary is an extensive like so the first three episodes, they don't even get to the murder. No. It's yeah. like the first three episodes they're just setting up to tell you this extor this extensive story of a man who wasn't looking he wasn't looking to to be with his people. He was looking for new people. But it's also he just didn't want to be a part of his people. Right. What's well, also this complicated thing about race that we act like it's just so simple. Yeah, we right. talk about racial yeah. identity and racism like it's just this simple thing. Mm -hmm. He was black and this person was white, and that's the end of there is. It is so complicated when you start. And then you throw in money and you start throwing in access to country clubs. Like he was going to white only country clubs. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? He's one of the first prominent blacks that's with prominent white women in public, you know? And then his homeboy, Marcus Allen, was kind of the same way. They're all cut from the same cloth in that regards. Mm -hmm. They become this new version of an African American in America. And we started, if it wasn't for the OJ murder, we may not be where we're at today in regards to. Racial understanding. Yeah, I remember when he was declared not guilty, and I I wasn't in the. Uh, I went to Coffeeville this time. This is '96, I believe. I went to Coffeeville this time, and there was this explosion come out of the student union, and all the football players and basketball players and track players, which are predominantly black, were like, "We won, we won!" And I was like, "What? What?" They said, "OJ's not guilty," and all the white people were mad. <laughs> like I saw on CNN, a lady's like on a jog and like we want to ask her the OJ Simpson case, and she's like, I just, I just can't, I just, I just can't do it. I'm like, what is going on? Like, white people are like, we can't believe this happened, and black people are like, we won, we got away with murder, yeah. And I'm like, finally, and I, think, I was like, I think that was the part that killed me. Yes, that was the like, part. That, well, because because it's not like black people believed he was innocent. No. It's like we finally, yeah. you know, the history of America and all the court cases, Emmett Till being the most prevalent one, where, and Rodney King, where yeah. it, it seems like it doesn't matter how much evidence we present, mm -hmm. they are they are going to get off. Yeah. We know, yeah. we know that it doesn't matter how much evidence presented, um, they're getting off. And now he couldn't wear the glove. And Johnny Cochran became the king. And it was just a strange time. I remember sitting there, and I remember I went to the, we had everybody's dorms when I was in college, and so you had the baseball players over here, and I went back to the baseball dorms, and they were just like mourning Nicole Simpson. <laughs> like, they were mourning this verdict. Like, it's just never going to be the same again, DJ. I was like, you guys are, <laughs> <laughs> I am, I'm so weird. I, I do not fit in. I, I wonder what people, if you could go back in time, mm. right after that, and say, Within the next 15 years, mm. OJ's going to get arrested. Yeah. And he's going to serve way longer. For getting than, his own stuff back. <laughs> yeah, way longer he than He got anyone. put in jail. For trying for to be a tough guy. Yeah, for yeah. getting his stuff back. But yeah. here's the other thing. If you watch The People versus OJ, which is a type of documentary. It's got acting in it, yeah. but it is a documentary. Who was the African-American guy that was with, what's her name? Janet, not Janet Reed. Chris Darden. Okay, Chris yeah. Darden and her who had that relationship. Marsha. Yes. Marsha. Yeah. yeah. Is that her name? Marsha, no. Now, what was it? Uh, Marsha Clark. Yeah, Marsha Clark. Clark yeah. He, he tells her, do not put the racist guy on the stand, the LAPD guy. Furman. Do not yeah. put. And he's like. She's like, you think he's right? No, he's racist. And here's what I want to say, though. These names are burned into my psyche. But here's what I want to say, and this might be too much for this podcast. I can't explain how I know when somebody's a racist. They may never give 
actual evidence. He knew that we know, bro, like you're true. Like I'm your true black friend. Like, you know, like I'm not going to use the race card. Mm -hmm. But if I said to you, if I just named some random person that you love and said this person's a racist and I didn't have any evidence for me, you would argue with me till you were red in the face and defend that person. Yes. And there's something, it's almost like, and I hate to use this example, it's the only one I can think of that's close to it, how gay people know when somebody else is gay. Yeah. Like they just know. <laughs> they just they just know. They know who to hit on. Yeah. It's like it's like it's it, I'm not saying it's right every single time, but yeah. you Chris Darden knew that Furman do not and that lost the case for them. He was absolutely right. Yeah. If Chris Rock said it the best, if 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 Jerry Seinfeld is charged with double murder and the only person to find the evidence is a leader of the Nation of Islam, he's getting off. <laughs> yeah. Period. There's nothing to argue about. That's all we're going to say. Right. So yeah. so the whole case is a weird type of dis what we discover about racism and racial issues and class issues, which this is also a class issue. If it OJ is. was not rich, he'd be a Renthal James the bus killing murderer <laughs> and he'd be underneath the jail. It'd be over. There would be no case. So this is also about class. It's very complicated. And we try to pretend like there's nuance. It's not. Yeah. There's a ton of nuance. I haven't thought about the OJ trial a long time, but I remember when, when that trial was on, I was working at a convenience store in the, in Lawrence uh, gas station. And I can remember that the verdict that day came out like it was around noon or one o'clock on like a weekday and we had been watching you show, you know how the lottery yeah, has the TV. Yeah. yeah, yeah like yeah. we had, we had Dave finagled done, Yeah. It. I knew you would. So we had watched the whole trial <laughs> Yeah, at, at this gas station yeah. I worked at. Cause I, I was out of high school by this time. Yeah. Cause we see this change on TV coming too. Now. Well, it's like rush hour. So I think it was lunch hour and people are showing And let me, t when that verdict, when they started to get everyone back in there and started going through the process, traffic stopped. We had 30 people in a gas station just watching this TV. But because of OJ, if you historically, in your historic buff, and I don't know if you are, but Somewhat. Dave loves this type of stuff, um, we see this trend now where the news becomes the news. The yeah. sensation. Yeah. Who can make this most? Nancy Grace comes on the scene, 24-hour news cycle start happening. We see everything. I'm telling you guys, we don't give OJ's story enough. This story, OJ's story, changes. It changes cable TV. We start seeing 24-hour news cycles. We start yeah. doing court TV. We start taking cameras in the courtroom. We start having celebrity criminals like no other. We've always had celebrity criminals, yeah. but now it's next level because yeah. we have all of this access to them. Yeah, we've actually talked about this on another pod. So I would say the stuff we talked about cracks open the door yeah. to that life. So Desert Storm, yeah, um, um, that cracks open the door, baby Jessica. Yeah. And then OJ is what slams oh, the door wide open. Because yeah. remember, yeah. if you remember correctly, in June of 95, we're watching the Knicks and the Houston Rockets when that's interrupted. The most boring NBA championship. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 72 to 68 final. <laughs> and then they go to the, they, and it's a great pivot because the ratings are shot. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, that's a, I have studied this thing down to the best of my ability. And I'm telling you, that OJ case is a pivotal, I think there'd be a total, I won't say totally, it would be a different racial social climate without the OJ narrative yeah, and the Rodney King narrative right off the precipice of that. Everything yeah. changes. Now you you made a statement earlier. You said 
crazy, what'd you say? What'd you call Aaron Hernandez? Uh, he's a sociopath. Well, his older brother has a, a documentary, and his name is Ted Bundy. Yes. <laughs> and the Ted Bundy tapes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He didn't know if he's going to get him to share, and he finally goes, well, how do you think you would have done it if you did it? Same OJ type question, and that's when he oh, yeah. starts sharing Oh my gosh. If you could like look, and everybody knew this with OJ, it was obvious. Yes. And everyone made fun of it. Yeah. But like, listen, if someone asks you as an alleged criminal, what would okay, you I believe you, you didn't do it. How would you have done it? And you can fill a book, you yeah. totally did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you totally did it. Yeah, OJ yeah, did yeah. write that book. Yes, he, did. <laughs> he absolutely wrote that what, book. What's, what's the Damon Wayans in his stand up? He talks about OJ. He's like, Did y'all see OJ's documentary? And he's like, OJ's like, As y'all can tell, I didn't kill him because I can't run anymore. I got arthritis in my hands. And somebody goes, OJ, catch. And he just, they throw this random football and he like dives in the bushes and catches it. <laughs> yeah. The name of that book should be I Totally Did It, but if I had to do it over again, this is what I did. Because I made some mistakes. So terrible. But, but yeah, the, same uh, thing the, with Ted Bundy. Yeah, the Ted Bundy documentary, like, you know, the serial killer documentaries are huge. Mm. Um, the Unabomber, in yeah. his own words. Yeah. That yeah. one, I like, forgot about blew that one. my mind yeah, just buddy. because. Uh, he goes to Harvard. Yeah, you're like, and, he's thought about this. He's like the darker side of a beautiful mind. And right? So yeah. he goes yeah. to Harvard, yeah. but he's also part of that 60s crowd where... It was okay going, to blow up stuff. We're going to also do experiments on our students and not tell them what we're testing them um, with. And the government does an experiment with him as part of the study because they're like, we want the brightest minds. Yeah. Sheesh. And so him and his childhood's a little edgier, so he already has some trauma. And then yeah. you put the government experiment on top of it, yeah. and then like you hear his brother and like sister-in-law talk about, oh, this sounds a lot like Ted Kaczynski, your can, brother. Can we just take a time out for, some, for a second? Can we just take a time out and listen to what you just said? That the government, along with Big Pharma, I'm assuming, uh, yeah. did an experiment on All Americans. And that's not the only time that's happened. But trust them. They know everything. Yeah, they, yeah. Why would they lie to you? That, well, that's the whole point when you talk about African Americans and being vaccinated. Yeah. We oh, have been right. experimenting. Yeah. We yeah. just don't trust. And the left couldn't wrap their mind around it. The left, who typically can get blacks to do anything... <laughs> Could not figure out how to get black African-Americans to get vaccinated because we're very skeptical of the trust in the government when it comes to needles and pills. Yeah. It's just, yeah, and it goes all the way back to those experiments that were conducted in African-American yeah. neighborhoods and what they did with water and things like that. that well, are you documented go, you want to stretch that even farther, the Big Pharma has a terrible extensive record with Africa itself, the continent. A absolutely, absolutely. Oh, just atrocity. And South America. And South America. Yeah. Um, it's just, so we haven't talked about cults yet. And there's oh, several there's so documentaries. Many good ones. Cults. So I also have a category called cults. And the best <laughs> category. wild, yes. wild country oh, yeah. is the wildest cult documentary <sighs> in a long time. But you also have Bikram, which is this yoga uh, teacher who 
takes yoga that one is to amazing. the next level. Was that yeah. what it was called? Yeah, it's just named after oh, Bickland. That, but Wildwell Country is, amazing. is this... These people build their own city, and they go to, what, Oregon? They go to Surprise... No, what is it called? I can't think of the name of the city. It's, it's yeah. still there. They go, like, to Oregon, and if it wasn't for the Nike company... That's Vikram, isn't it? Is no, that no, the same that's guy? the Bogwan. The Bogwan. Yes. I, mean, I, I, I get yes. my I get my the uh, Bogwan. Get confused. My gurus. Here, here, the guru. Uh, um, and and he would say stuff like, "It is it is raining, you will be wet." Yeah. He he's changing. He wasn't saying anything. That entire documentary. I just keep. I I remember. I keep thinking. I don't get it. What are uh, these people seeing? I, I don't. Need, I mean, me and you were saying. I don't the understand. Same thing. Yeah, yeah. Did you watch the so? Tiger King had season one, season two. They we haven't had the, Tiger King. The, no, I was, I was, I had another category. They have the spinoff <laughs> about Doc Antle. Oh yeah, and he is brought up in like uh, this Yogaville that's in like uh, Virginia, and it's like a a cult, <laughs> and like, but the. Uh, the uh, leader of it, he uh, combines a ton of religions, almost like a universalist Unitarian. Oh. But it ends up being more turning into a sex cult, even though they're all supposed to be abstinent. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it a go. million times, <laughs> as always. <laughs> uh, yeah, it happens every time. Well, the, they, the thing that's funny about that documentary is that when they show up to town, Antelope, that's the name of the town. Yeah. Antelope. Antelope, Oregon. I yeah. think we should go. <laughs> I, we, I think we should go. We wouldn't be the first to go. But what's funny is they just, could you imagine if 12,000 people walked into our town Dressed in maroon. Well, that town was really small. Too. Yes, but could you just and just, they're just they show them just could, walking yes. around the roads. Yeah, imagine man. Your you gas. think there was some like weird children yeah. with the corn yeah. stuff going on. You couldn't help but be prejudiced. I don't care what anybody says. You would be prejudiced. Oh yeah, you would prejudge these people, yeah. and then well, you'd be right. Yeah, they were nuts, <laughs> but they had geniuses. Helping them build this city. They, um, they had city planners and lawyers. Oh, they built a real well, city. Yes. They built it. So, like, <laughs> I watched uh, the documentary about Waco after the okay. miniseries. Yes, I, that's a really good one. And they had the first uh, black lawyer to graduate from Harvard yeah. in, in their yeah. compound. Yeah. Like, say, they have geniuses. Yes, yes. In, okay. Yes, but the, here's I'm gonna tell you a big difference between the Bogwan and David Koresh. Yeah, David Koresh is brilliant, mm -hmm. charismatic, mm -hmm. like a bunch of things the yeah. Bogwan wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Like David Koresh had the whole Bible memorized. Yes, yes, yes. Could just quote it. Yeah, which but, is but, but he would scary. also sleep with your daughter. Yeah, but he could charm you into thinking it was okay. Yeah, absolutely. He didn't and do so, it against your will. So, and, and the government's only way in to save those kids was to make it about guns, which spurs Timothy McVeigh. They interviewed Timothy McVeigh in that documentary. Yeah, uh huh. Yep. And he's sitting on there because he's mad about this because he's knowing they're making it about guns. And so it's amazing how the hardcore conservative didn't care what was going on in there. They just cared about this but constitutional right. Yeah. So it makes it very interesting. But if you, ha I have the Sundance channel, okay? Yes. App. And there's another one, same scenario thing we're talking about. It's not a cult, but it's called No One Saw a Thing. 
And it's about a dude who's a bully in this town, and he gets murdered by the community, and no one's. Oh, oh, and they, and they all, they all don't talk. So, so I'm pivoting to the documentaries that are the closest to us. This one's in Missouri, like right outside of Kansas City, all right. really mm-hmm. small Missouri town. No one saw a thing. Then the Unsolved Mysteries documentary about the kid in Lasing, Kansas. Kansas. Yes, that which one. I go to that gym because Humboldt plays them in basketball every year. So that one was really scary. My wife remembers when he went missing. Uh, like I didn't remember. I didn't, this. I didn't know about it. Me neither. That, and like that's not far away. Oh, I forgot on the cult ones too. There's two more ones. There's the Jim Jones documentary. The Jim Jones one. That, oh my goodness. And his, he has a basketball team, and the yes. son is telling the story because he played on the Jim Jones international basketball team. <laughs> that's the only reason why he was alive because of basketball. <laughs> so him and Allen Iverson is like basketball <laughs> saved our lives, man. So, <laughs> so it's that is just I. He started off almost like a civil rights movie. It was a oh, yeah. kingdom thing. And I like, got nervous because some of the things he said, I was so, like, I said that before. Um, it's scary. Like, he starts off in mainline Protestantism. He's, he starts off. Richmond, Indiana. As a disciples of Christ. Christ, yes. Pastor. I, I, when I watched it, I almost texted and said, yo, peoples, man, yo, people. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, in the Jonestown footage, yeah. they have something that has the yes. DOC chalice yes. on it. And I'm like, uh, oh. buddy, yeah. What you doing, Tom? What you, where you going, Tom? Where you going? This is the portion of the show where all the atheists look at us knowingly and nod their head. Like, yes. yep. yep. Yeah, we, we saw got that you one coming. We got yeah. you pegged. Um, well, there's also one more on there about the guy from Texas, Alamo. Um, his last name is Tony Alamo, and he has a cult. Oh, yeah. And that's an interesting story, too. You guys so. have watched way too many <laughs> cult yes. documentaries. And then uh, who's the group that has the compound that's up in uh, the northwestern part of the United States that the government raids and it is Ruby that, Ridge. Ruby yeah, Ridge. There you go. Yeah. Well, that's, so that's, Ruby Ridge, Oklahoma yeah. City, See, and Waco are all connected. Yeah. Yes. It started with Ruby Ridge, Ridge. then Waco, and then Timothy McVeigh says, I'm going to make the government pay for this. In fact, in the miniseries, yes. Waco, and goes, the Ruby Ridge, that, that story is fiasco. told alongside. Yes, yeah. and the conspiracy theorists, that is their go-to. Um, I know that from my conspiracy background, um, that that is the go-to. Yeah. When you start talking about government overreach. Um, and 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 um, the hardest thing about governments and their corruptness is that you can obsess yourself with it, right? Like literally, it took the government to corrupt itself to end slavery. They had to break their constitution because the majority of Americans were okay with slavery, and they actually. But and once that precedence is set, it changes the American government forever mm-hmm. yeah so you have this very good thing that's done by the government but the price that we're paying for it when states no longer are able to determine certain things and you now lost your con you're now to the point now where people don't even participate in local politics all they talk about is national politics my personal opinion is that goes all the way back to lincoln's decision and we see this local context and local power being taken away and more, everything's more federal government oriented mm. and centered. Good, bad, ugly, and different. And now we have this, this thing that's so big, it couldn't change directions. If you, it's got so much girth now. It's yeah. the law of unintended consequences. Boom. Yeah. Boom. All, it would have happened. Yeah, eventually. Always going to happen. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's, and, just, and, it's why and, most civilizations, they don't last forever. Yeah. Even if you have a good civilization, it's going to break down. 
because you can't avoid the law of unintended consequences. Absolutely. absolutely. So that's the, the cult portion of, it's just so intriguing to me, the brokenness of people that are open to this fake messiahs Yeah, that come along. There's something about that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, from a racial documentary, we forgot to mention The Black Godfather. Oh, yeah. Which is the strangest, most unheard story. I did not know that man existed. Unbelievable story. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of him? No. He's one of the most famous. He just won. He's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame just this year. Yeah. He went in with Jay-Z. He is a story of a man who is a higher up in music, and he's the one who gets all these black people contracts, and he's the one that's behind every major black star since 1945. It's not Quincy Jones? No. Okay. Without <laughs> him, there is no Quincy Jones. Oh, my yeah. goodness. All right. He's the reason why there is a Quincy Jones. All right. And it's called the Black. You should. I'm not going to tell you more about it. I'm not even going to tell you his name. Because you would love it. And then the most controversial one to me on Netflix that's about race, and I know there's the 13th Amendment and the one about the boys in Central Park and all that, but the most controversial one to me is the racial divide. Okay, I have not seen that That's one. the white woman who pretended to be black, and she was the leader of the incident. Oh, yeah. I re- okay, so yeah. I remember the story. And so there's a doctor. I won't say anything about that. You should watch it. I think it's the most controversial one. I cannot believe. Rachel Dolezal. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. The, the ah, one you that I really liked and I learned a lot from, and it kind of changed, shifted my perspective a little bit, um, on Malcolm X was who killed Malcolm X. Yeah, very good documentary. Yeah. And and he, just the difficulty of wrapping your mind around the nation of Islam. Oh, yeah. Like, they're like three-quarter Muslim, maybe. Maybe they're half Muslim. Yeah, it's... Um, it's just a very... Uh, and I have family members who are in the nation of Islam. And my first roommate in college was in the nation of Islam. Very difficult to wrap your mind around... And that. it's weird because they even talk a little bit about uh, Malcolm and Muhammad Ali yeah, and how Muhammad has a, a falling out with him. They do. Well, Muhammad well, doesn't have a falling out uh, with them. It's the, Elijah Muhammad it's tells him, you ha- you're no, no longer to talk. He's no longer yeah. your brother. You so stop it right Eli- here. And so, and so Islam, it, even regular Islam, I don't believe the nation of Islam is Islam. They're like, 33% maybe. It's it's a cult. Yeah. Um, Islam's first thing is submission. That's the, we say surrender. Islam is submission. Mm-hmm. And Nation of Islam says the same thing. So you submit to, when I say submit to your leader, if your leader tells you not to talk to this person, you stop talking to him. That's uh, how that works. Oh, there was a documentary about a guy in Miami that was uh, part of the Nation of Islam uh, got really big, and then like he broke away and made like his own sect, mm. and like built like this huge temple. And I want to say it's in Georgia, mm. and like it turned out like he was like aliens are going to come back, and oh, kind of like the group from California, yeah, that, that cult. Remember uh, that cult? They were they they were all like uh, the, the Heaven's guy was, Gate. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, there's a documentary on that too. I know far too many cults. <laughs> <laughs> now, now the 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 fact that the kid died in Lassing, and then you have the people up in Skidmore, Missouri, that they didn't tell on how because this guy. The first time I saw the story on Skidmore, Missouri was on A and A and E's City Confidential. They did mm, a story on it. Yeah, uh, that documentary is very intriguing about when is when is justice. Too far. Because yeah. they end up, 
the, they take the documentary and they go further with it. There was a black man that was killed in this city that they accused of rape and they hung him in front of the whole city. So they start saying that this city is cursed. And there's like three or four unsolved murders where people took justice in their hand in this city. And so mm. it's a very interesting documentary about when is too far, yeah. too far. Justice wise. Dave, am I taking up? We have gone way over time. Uh, so we should and probably have, just like so you, many more documentaries. Oh I know. Do you DJ have a has? favorite documentary? Um, Okay, real quick. The one that makes me... The, I've only yelled at a couple. Um, I, I actually yelled at... The, one, Garth Brooks' documentary, he cries like 22 times, and I think I counted. <laughs> so that was funny. That's probably the funniest one. I hate to say that out loud, but I will say my favorite one, one of my favorite ones is Untold Crimes and Penalties about the hockey team where the mafia guy yeah. buys a 17-year-old. That was very good. good. Very good documentary. Also, I like the documentary that where they adopt the little girl... And that is uh, just abducted in plain, plain sight. sight. Yeah. That is that is the craziest documentary. But the one that I just got so the Bob Ross story. Yes. What they did to Bob Ross makes me want to makes I won't say what I want to do. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like there was so many things within the Bob Ross. We're talking story. Bob Ross and like that old lady. Yes. And I was like, oh. And yeah. what was it about his vulnerability that he could not tell those people? No. Yeah. It's just so interesting. Yeah, and then <sighs> the, the son doesn't have any he rights. Oh, he doesn't have any rights. He has <laughs> the, so he makes a documentary. So it just makes you, it broke your heart it for did. Bob Ross. Wow. It just breaks your heart. And again, we're back to capitalism. Yeah. And that's what capital, the, the thing that I have no problem with capitalism. As a matter of fact, you can argue. Wait, was Bob Ross making money? Yeah, was he it? ends up ends well, up becoming franchise. So, but he they use starts him making some, and he gets used. He and gets used, then he dies. And I don't want to talk about too much because I want you to watch that. Yes, okay. oh, like, right. but if you are a Bob Ross fan, I write it down. I've written down three already. You will be, you will be, you will be so mad. The other thing I'd recommend is The Devil Next Door. That's good. The Devil Next Door is yep. a good one. Wait, I may be getting that mixed up. Is that the one about the guy who killed his wife? Or is that the one about the guy from from Germany that <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, there's wait, there's yeah. one, there's they, one they about have the guy. Similar titles. Yes, the guy I'm talking <laughs> this about. This is the, falling apart. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, the guy from Germany that was accused of being a, a person who murdered Jews in Holocaust. Yeah. And they he, he was able to get to America and they have to take him to Israel and try him again. That's very intriguing. Yeah. That is a very, is it really him? You don't know. I mean, he got so bad, he was dying. They bring him in from, <laughs> Israel don't play is what I found out. <laughs> Israel is not, you do not want to ever be charged in Israel. <laughs> but it's still a very good story. So, But I'd have to say, Dave, if I had to pick um, a favorite documentary, um, I, I do not know. I don't know what I would pick. There's just, The Families is an intriguing documentary. Um, the Amanda Knox documentary is just she's if she didn't do it, she still should go to jail because she's so weird. She should just go to jail for being weird. Um, the murder among Mormons, like even the Mormons. Okay, so have that a one's on my list. The new Val, yeah, documentary yes. about Val Kilmer. Yeah, oh, that one, like yeah. he'll make you the college admission little... scandal documentary. Yeah, that one's amazing. Yeah, that's a good one. The yeah. Keepers. That one was scary, kind of. That's dark. It's about a Catholic priest who was um, raping girls, molesting girls in this school. And 
they were trying to find, they were trying to figure out where he was and, and they, he ends up murdering a girl and they're trying to figure out who, how, where they're trying to f- solve this crime of murder. And it, there's a couple of scenes where they make it scary. Um, um so there's yeah, sorry, Dave, I don't a, have a favorite, a very like crazy documentary, uh, the wild and wonderful whites of West Virginia. Like it's, off the rails like this backwards family someone recommended it to my wife oh it was her boss i feel like i'd be best friends with your wife code i just i don't i'm not gonna say that a lot. i've only seen her like two times she's cool that's yeah, why i made very her. good good you got good taste bro yeah and uh like oh my goodness you watching you're like oh another good one is the innocent man with john grisham yes that's in oklahoma, oklahoma. that's another close yeah. one Mm-hmm. And wow, the Innocent Project, Project, God bless them. God bless those people who fight for people who are in jail and who shouldn't be in jail. Uh, making a murderer. Making a murder. I never, I saw it. It got too slow for me. Too much court. Um, um, so I, the the end it picks up. But Team Foxcatcher about the DuPonts. Did you watch that one? No, no. And the one about the guy who molested the kid. Uh, at uh, Penn State. And, oh, the oh, Jerry Sandusky. Yeah, yeah, that one's a very good one, too. Yeah. Um, one last one, Dave. I'll leave you with this one, Dave. Because <laughs> there's just so many. Sam Cooke is a good one. The Social Dilemma is all right. Um, the one about Robert Johnson, Dove at the Crossroads, is a yeah. good one. Strong Island is another good one. That's about racism. The Sons of Sam, they think that there's more than one killer in New York City during oh, that. Yeah. That's a very interesting one. The, all the Cocaine Cowboys are good the ones. Cocaine Cowboys. The cocaine Cowboys. Amazing. Dave, that's right up your alley. You would enjoy um, those, Dave. Murder Mountain is yep. not appropriate. None of these are appropriate. None of them. But Murder Mountain is about legal marijuana yes. growth, and there's an actual place and they in California Bigfoot called Murder Mountain. As, to scare off. And they are gangsters, though. Yeah. There's no law there. And that's a real story. Yeah. Like, I just cannot believe that's America. So, uh, Did you see uh, Tricky Dick and the Man the Yes, oh, man. That, that was a good one about good Nixon one. and Johnny Cash. Yeah, man, so good. And then you got Fear City about the New York City <laughs> Mafia in the 70s. It's called Fear City. And we had one of the guys in that documentary here at the fire escape. What? Yeah, we had a, the Mafia boss that got saved, and he goes around speaking. He was here. He spoke here. Was I here okay, I'm or done. was I gone? Oh, how can we not mention Tread? I okay. I have- Tread is the guy in Colorado whose city wouldn't let him. Oh, yeah. And he builds a tank <laughs> and takes out the whole city. Oh, man, these are so good. I'm sorry, Dave. You, Dave, remember, you brought this on yourself. I have completely lost control of this. <laughs> you podcast. have brought this on yourself. You I asked for this. I feel we need a we'll stop. another part. No, we don't. We'll just stop. DJ, <laughs> it's been lovely having you. You're never coming back. <laughs> This is out of control. You guys can just keep going. Dave, if you actually post this, I think I've done like 12 podcasts. Only two of them have ever been posted. Listen, I'm posting this podcast. I thought about 20 minutes ago, I thought, I'm going to have to edit this. I'm going to have to edit this. Now now I'm just like, no way. I'm posting this for posterity. For your tens of tens. And there's going to be someone out there be like, man, you really hit your stride with that documentary pod. That was when you really found it, bro. Can I tell you guys my favorite documentary now? Yes. Or do I have to like do I have to like send in documentation to get the floor? Uh, Your Honor, I'd like uh, to approach the bench. 
I feel like it doesn't even matter now. You guys were just going and going and going. And like, like I felt like it just could have kept going for. How many podcasts have you done, Dave? This is, this, this is number, number 16. 16. So how, what's the average hours of your podcast? They're almost exclusively about an hour and 15 So you've hour, spoken for 16 hours. They've heard your voice. And I come on here one time. It's oh, yeah. one episode. Yeah, yeah, I know. Oh, That's I'm not great. broken up about it. I'm Gosh. just impressed. You guys have seen so many documentaries. I'm t- this is oh. probably my, I would call this my, I'm not going to lie. Documentaries are a hobby for me. And I want to talk about them. I want to look up them. I'd I want very few documentaries have I watched where I didn't do the research. I didn't find it. I didn't, and then and then if you get on Reddit, it's over. There's grenades and oh, atomic yeah. bombs, and <laughs> so it's like I will. I won't lie. I'll be the first minute. This is how. If I'm not going to be in scripture and working on ministry, I'm going to be researching a documentary. I'll I'll rewatch them and research them. So I may watch it one time. And then I'll say, DJ, research this, and I'll go back and watch it and pause it and try to find documents of my own. I want to look at the court case. I want to read the uh, the court file myself. I do all of that. Mm-hmm. It's just very intriguing to me. My favorite documentary ever uh, was made for HBO in 2020. It's recent, called Class Action Park, uh, about Action oh, Park in New Jersey back I, in the late 70s, I messed early that 80s. up. You told me to watch that. That's my, I'll watch it tonight. Have you not seen that? No, that was my fault. I you remember, have seen all these documentaries, yes, and, and you, you have not told watched me, Class Action you Park. You told me to watch that one. Let me tell you why I love Class Action Park as a documentary. I told you about an hour and a half ago. He <laughs> <laughs> just had to sneak that, that in. That, that my favorite documentaries are the ones that just transport you to a different time and place. If you have no, if you're younger than 30, 35, uh, 30, you're going to watch Class Action Park and you're going to be like, this couldn't have happened. How could this have happened? Because basically it's about a theme park with no safety guidelines at all. Mm. The dude's coming up with crazy rides. Kids are hurt, getting hurt. Kids die at this park. Um, and when I tell you, and, and but the, the documentary itself is not played for like this tragic part of it. It's played for... Like all these people are reminiscing about the park where they're actually, you you can tell they're nostalgic and it makes them feel good to think about it. And when you watch it, if you're younger than that, you're going to be like, how did people live like this? This is just such a weird place. I was like, no, man, this was the Mm eighties. We like, we did stupid, dangerous things and our parents didn't really keep track of us. Yeah. We were just out there. And this was, this whole documentary just took me back to that time and made me feel nostalgic and good while also telling this story about this theme park that was just off the rails, lunatic. Now, we didn't have anything like that. So do you have park. HBO? Yeah, yeah. I might have to yeah. share it with you. No, you I have it. You didn't hear I, that? No, 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 no. There's not a subscription. There's a lot of static. Not a subscription I don't have, <laughs> but go ahead. Um, But yeah, uh, the, the thing about we didn't have Action Park because Action Park's legendary. But like all our stuff back then, even our water parks where you had to go down with like the, the little piece of foam, and if it slid away from you, you'd get your you get all scratched up by the fiberglass slides mm. and stuff. Like people were getting hurt all the time. Stuff. It's just the way we lived, and everything about Class Action Park just transported me back to being a kid mm. in the eighties. And it was it was while telling this kind of tragic like but so so ridiculous it's it, it ends up being kind of funny at parts because yeah. these these now grown-ups these like middle-aged people are sitting here talking about how much fun they had almost dying 
hitting their heads on things. And it's it's just a, everybody should watch that documentary. It's amazing. I got it down. I'll watch um, it. I've totally forgotten. 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. So, yeah, you better end it soon because you spurred on another documentary on my list that well, I forgot. The, HBO has the Dreamland documentary, which is really good. And it's about the burning of Tulsa. Yeah. And I would encourage everybody to watch that. Yeah, um, that's a really good. Mine they was also Crip have camp. They also have what's my name by Muhammad Ali, which is another really good documentary mm, on HBO. Yeah. Um, what, was, what was the one you said? Uh, Crip camp. It, Crip camp. It's about I've uh, seen it. the, basically this camp for kids with disabilities, and then it spurs like the whole ADA movement, the Americans with Disability Act. So okay, yeah, yeah. D- Dave. One thing, because you're a music fan, you know you have. The Bird and Magic documentary, which mm-hmm. is really good. But then there's one called 20 Feet from Stardom. Okay. And it's a mo- movie. It's a documentary about background singers, the history of background singers and music, and how these amazing singers never make it to the center stage. And why do some people make it and why do some people not? Mm. And Sting is in it and Paul right. McCartney's in it. And Let me write that one down. What's the name of that 20 one? 20 Feet from Stardom. It's All on right. HBO. <laughs> it's really, really good. All right, I'll stop. There's so many HBO ones that are good, but I'll just, yeah, I'll just. HBO and Netflix really. Sometimes HBO has an agenda, and I can't make it through all their documentaries, but they do have some good ones. This has been the craziest pod we've ever done. Why is it crazy? Because Dave didn't get to talk a lot. Yeah, no, no it's just like <laughs> it seemed frantic. It just seemed frantic. Again, I think we'll I like have to have to, civilized conversation. We will have to have DJ back to discuss some of these in better detail because, like, the murder among the Mormons one, Ooh. like, as a person of faith, there's so many components to it that oh. I think that would help you understand what the early church went through and what, like, oh my goodness, like, this would rock your world. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. If you like our podcast, <laughs> please re- give us a solid review on um, whatever platform you're you're listening on and consider following us on Facebook and Twitter. You can communicate with us there. We ask you uh, to ask us questions that we now feature on a new segment on the show called The Lobby. So uh, uh, I wouldn't have me back if I was you guys. I'm just I'm being uh, complete disclosed. Do thank not- you to Minister DJ Dangerfield for coming on. You really carried this this this, this pod because I can't I can't keep up. Like <laughs> that's an amazing just the amount of documentaries you've seen is amazing. Well, he said he had over two hundred. The yeah, knowledge the you've gleaned from that. I mean, it's not that you just said them. Oh, I saw that. No, you talked about all of them. <laughs> like you knew about them. It's amazing. I just can't. I can't. Like that's crazy. I can't wait till my friends listen to this because they're going to die. Because they all know this about me. It's so annoying. I can't help it. The only thing I could quote to you that much would be like the movie Goonies that, that I have a mastery of knowledge of and maybe like Smallville. The first few seasons of Smallville. Which I watched religiously. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, bro. It's it's yeah. I won't lie. Yeah, it, no, it was fun. It was fun. Uh, Maybe everybody. I hope you enjoy it. It's our longest pod ever. I'm moving in with Cody. That's what I decided. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to get out of here. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Pop culture pastor.